Peace and blessings, family. This is your brother, Asar M. Hotep, with the Madhu Indela Institute for the Advancement of Science and Culture. Today is Friday, September the 25th, and today's Devil's Advocate topic is everyone should join a cult, and who's with me? More to come in just a minute. around and played the wrong intro but i don't care it's friday and that's just going how we do it anyway peace and blessings again thank you all for joining us live on this friday y'all could be doing anything else in the world but you chose to be here so i am very appreciative of everyone you know wanting to get into this dialogue so y'all know that for uh the past few weeks i've been having conversations about my experience as a hebrew israelite you know in uh, the the early and mid 90s and so if you uh you know have not checked out those uh, conversations i highly recommend that you you know go to the channel and catch those uh, videos and pay attention to the uh, the comments. You'll see how crazy uh, the Hebrews are in the comments. So it 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 had a of how should I say um, the the comments helped to spawn this particular conversation in terms of what are the characteristics of of people in a cult. And then, of course, my argument that I think everyone should join a cult. And so I know it is, it is you know, kind of counterintuitive, uh, you know, my particular argument. But throughout this conversation tonight, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, people will understand more my position. And so we have a few guests with us who's going to join us in just a little bit when I bring them in. But um before I do that, of course, I like to give a shout out to everyone who has made themselves known in the how should I say uh, the chat rooms. And so, please, peace to Marquise Kid, peace to Robert Rand, Sister Tamika One, uh, Philightentist, Sunjiata, Ata, and Zombie. Um, Brother Chavez, Tep Haseb Ahau McCray, uh, Brian Beno Smith, Lamar Pope, 
and Mr. Morpheus and Safa Rabah Muhammad. Peace to all of you uh, who have made yourselves known in the chat. Peace to Sister Ladasha Wright. And uh, anybody else who is just listening, you know, but don't want to make themselves known because y'all probably in the cult right now. And it's a sin for y'all to be in the chat room. Uh, and so just want to make that known. Peace to uh, Montaya X. Uh, if I'm saying that correctly, if I'm saying that incorrectly, I do apologize. So peace to you and uh, hope everyone is doing well. So before I move forward on the conversation, of course, some announcements. And so on tomorrow, I will be interviewing uh, Dr. Uh, Chilema Lema uh, Mukinge, who is a, an elder and a scholar on the Baluba people and culture and language. And, you know, we'll be talking about the Baluba culture, religion, and philosophy on Sunday, but this will not be a live show. This will, I will be recording it Sunday and uploading it Sunday for my Patreon members. So this is one of the benefits of being a Patreon member that you get access to certain exclusive interviews before everyone else you know, weeks and sometimes even months in advance. And some some videos would just be for, you know, the Patreon members. So if if you wanna, you know, have access to these to these videos and other, you know, benefits or whatnot, I encourage you to join uh, my Patreon that is patreon.com forward slash srmhotep. And you know the the, the funds used through Patreon will help in the uh, initial fundraiser for the China Into film. So this is one of the elders who I will be interviewing for the film. And because uh, we'll be talking about the relationship between Bantu uh, languages, cultures, religion, et cetera, and rituals, and that of ancient uh, Egypt you know, Kemet, for those who prefer that name. And, you know, it, it is time we do some real uh, scholarship and documentary form and one that is done right, you know, uh, aesthetically, you know, sound wise and the like. So, you know, your contributions will help in that arena. So once again, patreon.com, Asar Imhotep, forward slash Asar Imhotep. So without further ado, again, our topic is on the cults. And so y'all know what cult I belong to, which was the ICUPK or the, the Black Hebrew Israelites. And so our guests are former members of the Nuwapians. And so they will give their experiences. So I want y'all to welcome brother Chuck Morgan all the way out on the far west coast and brother Sunjetty Ra in the place to be. Let me reduce these windows. Hopefully this will be better 
for everyone. Bam. Cool beans. Welcome, brothers. Welcome, brothers. How are y'all this evening? Peace and blessings to you. All right, peace, peace to you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Glad to be here to share our experiences. All right, all right. Uh, we may have one more guest uh, come in a little later. So if he pops up, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll chime him in. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the conversation today has to deal with, with cults. And, you know, Many of us have, you know, been involved in various different uh, religious cults and uh, have had some good and bad experiences. And so, you know, y'all heard my experience again with the, the Hebrew Israelites. And so I wanted to have a conversation with people who belong to other uh, organizations that uh, they believe, you know, saying was a cult. And so I guess before we even, you know, have the conversation about, you know, the new Wapians per se, uh, how do each of y'all define a cult? Y'all can go in whatever order, whoever goes first. Well, <clears throat> because you have so many different definitions of uh, cults and um, from the, some people will go back to the etymology of a word as, as being uh, a term that um, was in reference to worship and how it became obsolete and didn't pop back up until around the 19th century. Um, then some people use the pop, the, the the, the general definition of a cult as having a charismatic leader that the uh, followers give full reverence to without question, and some even willing to give their own lives in regards to this, this individual who has this magnificent presence that he's able to captivate his uh, followers through a, a series of lies and having ulterior motives in the process. So um, then you have... Um, a cult center where you have um, a place where individuals, worshipers, they go and then uh, perform whatever um, ritual, uh, ceremonial, uh, sacrifice, what have you. But there are different, different um, degrees or definitions of a cult or a cult center. But from my perspective, where I'm critical is centered upon cult in the modern term as being a group of religious, usually a religious group, and then you have politics, like you have the uh, Trump administration, you have, <laughs> that's what cult. And then um, I'm just basing it, centered around that, that mindset, people who give full adoration to a charismatic character, and um, regardless of anything else, true or false, they'll follow him to the end. All right. You have anything to contribute, Sanjay? Yeah. So, peace um, brother Chuck. So basically, you just described Christianity. Because <laughs> um, when I was coming up, and I'm sure you may have come across this as well, that a cult is simply 
a group of people who come together for a common cause, and that's in addiction. Mm -hmm. So in addition to, you know, what you shared, it as a self-defense mechanism, you know, when I was coming up, um, you know, in the Wapen community in the 90s, so I started, I was started in the 90s. And the re our reverse argument is, it's simply a group of people who come together for a common cause, which technically is right. But then we have that adage of you have a charismatic leader. Now, I don't personally think there's anything wrong with having a charismatic leader. It's what that leader teaches and promotes as mentality for the group. So, and the group, if the group cannot ask critical questions, and if you are threatened directly or indirectly, or have a preemptive threat just for asking questions or wondering, then that's that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we could call that a cult, you know, if you will. I personally don't really, you know, define the Nuwapians or any others as a cult in my head, but I do understand. But the problem is when you ask questions, you know, because that's what I did. You know, and we were and you, and you notice we're trained to ask questions. It's not it's not just an encouragement. We are trained. We have books, question and answers for every single other religion. Christianity, 360 questions. It was like 360 questions or 365. 360 questions ask a Christian. 360 questions they ask a Muslim, etc. We're trained, but we never had an intern a book internal and 360 questions to ask ourselves, hmm. at least in the 90s. After that, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But I internalized it so much, I asked ourselves questions. You know, and then this is when I started getting scolded or people saying to me, um, why are you questioning the Supreme Grandmaster teacher? What, what are you talking about? You know, he trained us to ask questions. What do you mean? You know. Uh, so by the definition of what you shared, then yes, that would be a call. You know. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm gonna just share my screen. Uh, we'll go to Etimo Line. And I don't know, let me go back here. And see if y'all can see in the audience, you know, the etymology of the word cult. Because if we go by definitions, as Brother Chuck said, you know, basically everything is a cult. I'm trying to see if it shows up correctly. Okay, boom. All right, so the word cult from the 1610s is <laughs> means worship or homage, a particular form or system of worship from French cults, Latin cultus care, labor, cultivation, culture, worship, reverence, 
Okay. Guess he went out. What up? All right. So oh. just while while we're waiting for him to come back in, so yeah, the, the the etymological definition of cult yeah. is also related to culture, which all that is definitely correct. Mm -hmm. um, so sorry, you said okay. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna spark a dialogue up to keep it going, you know. It, my I probably got kicked off because the God Killer came on. <laughs> Peace, brother. Unk. Can you hear? What's going on, brother? Saw nothing much. Can nothing you, much. I can hear you loud and clear. All right, all right. Um, we were just we were just going over uh, the definitions of of a cult. And we're we're about to go into you know our uh, or at least the guest because everybody's heard me before on the past two shows, but at least our guest experience in the cult. So now we're we're basically asking the question: Well, what is a cult? And if we go by the the literal definition of a cult, everybody belongs to a cult because it is just generally the culture, and to give reverence and to worship and to honor. And so if 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 we say, for example, that the Nuwapians and the Hebrews and all of them are cults, but then we promote indigenous African spirituality, they're cults too. So what distinguishes cult from the literal sense to how we utilize it in the modern sense? What is that extra that'd be like, nah, this is something different than the just the general culture of the people and so that's that's where we were um before i got kicked off i don't know how that happened um and, and before you got in so uh i'm sorry yeah it's this it's the stream y'all you're using let's do it <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed um so you know, already showed the definition and whatnot. So dealing with um, culture and the culture whatnot. But um, so I'm, I'm going to go down my line, so to speak. And, you know, uh, starting with Chuck, then Brother Sanjetti, and then Brother Unk. Since uh, all of y'all seem to have been Nuwapians at one point. You know, uh, just briefly tell me, you know, how long you were in, where you were in, what draw you to the organization, and then what made you leave? Um, and then we'll get back into, you know, after everyone's gone through, we'll go back into the details uh, of that experience with each one of y'all. So uh, Chuck and Brother Sanjetti and, and, and then Brother Ankh. Okay, my experience started um, back in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, see, here's the thing, before I even get into it, Nuwapians or Nuwapian as the group didn't come around until the latter part of the 1990s. If you go back to the history of the organization, it officially got its uh, start in New York, Coney Island, all places, in 1970. I came on the scene around 1989, and um, back then we were known as the Ansaro Law Community, 
or Nubian Islamic Hebrew. And um, that was my uh, beginning, which, because I was always around consciousness, if you will, for lack of a better word. Um, when I, mm. at one time, I used to um, um, make kufis and uh, I was I was really into a lot of uh, book reading because I, I spent a lot of time up at the place known as the House of House of Knowledge on Georgia Avenue, uh, right up the street from Howard University. And um, you had your cable on um, books. Uh, you had Pyramid Bookstore. You had Nature of Islam had a center there. Um, you had um, Islamic Visions Video. You had this was the mecca in D.C. for consciousness back in the 1980s. So that was where I really became, got into knowledge of, I guess you could say, knowledge of um, who we are as a people and, and the different groups that had various degrees of how they um, they wanted to teach it. So it, it came one time outside of my house, there was uh, back then was people's drugstore. Um, I saw a brother dressed in white. And um, I thought it was funny because, you know, usually you see these guys standing out there with incense and a table full of oils and things, you know, I really wasn't too into that, yeah. you know? So um, I just bypassed the thought. Is, is, selling, is selling oils part of the cult manual? Is that is, is like <laughs> that the first characteristic of a, of a cult? Like everyone sells oils? <laughs> I think that because um, at that time we were as Ansars, being as though it was centered around Islam, you know, oils, fragrances, frankincense, myrrh, um, the burning of incense and all that, that was part of the culture. So it was naturally incorporated and that was a means to generate revenue. Um, my initial um, introduction into the uh, organization or cult was I was in Georgetown one night and I was partying, but because I was making all of these kufis and things, I got, um, I, I came across a lot of, back then, you know, hip hop was just really getting into his hate. And um, I, I saw the uh, Peyton Full video. So I did a kufi that had the, um, you know, the tassel, without the tassel, but it was just, you know, the one that Rakim had, you know, with a little thing on the side. So I rocked it, had the, uh, the compass, I mean, I'm sorry, had the uh, crescent and star right here in the center. So I was roaming downtown in Georgetown in particular. And um, I came across a brother who got out of the car and stepped to me and said, ask me, you God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was basically, you know, I, I didn't know how to answer the question because I didn't know where he was coming from because he came off, off kind of an aggressive tip. And so I was like, huh? You know, and because I was wearing it, he figured that, you know, you shouldn't be wearing something you don't know what you're representing. And then he started breaking down all these, these you know, you know, this jargon that that he was coming with. And, you know, I was like this, like, well, what, what was he saying? So I had um, I don't like it when people stick me. So what I did was I needed to go back and study what this five percent thing was, you know. So one day um, I went out past the CVS. And I saw um, a book on the brother's table, and it had the five percent uh, symbol. It was um, our. It was called the True Star of Islam, and uh, you know Imam Asa, and it had um, you know the, the Nation of Islam, the five percent. It had the Balalians. It had everybody. And so I got the book, 
and um, he uh, gave me an audio. I think it was, um, uh, I, mean, I can't remember. It was a true light tape. And um, when I opened the book up, I saw um, York. And I was like, oh man, what is this? You know, you know, had the, he was, he had the little, the stab and, you know, that look. And as soon as I saw it, I, I was like, I'm not reading it. So I, I, hmm. I really didn't get into it until um, I, it was just kept picking with my head. So I eventually played the audio and he didn't sound anything like he looked. And which surprised me. And he had a sense of humor and he, he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. It was very impressive because he was right in line with what I was looking for in terms of how to address this whole nation of Islam thing. So I got another book and then another one and another one. And because, you know, I was pretty, pretty doing pretty good, you know, financially, you know, I, I really didn't have, have to worry about money. So the brothers was like, you know, why don't you take it to the next level? Because I started coming down to the classes and I was just asking the brother, you know, I just wanted to know one from it. Once and for all, was Jesus black? And that was my thing. You know, all the Islam stuff, I wasn't even really interested in that at all. You know, because I was pretty much raised a Christian, you know, moms and all that stuff. So my whole thing was I just wanted to get the information. Okay, this is the way it is. Got it. Move on. But then, you know, you build a, a relationship with some of the brothers because, you know, it was this camaraderie thing, you know. And the way that it was pitched, the brother who was teaching, Amir um, Idris from New York, he had this way of teaching that I was like, I'm loving this. And ironically, at that time, when he, when I first went there, he got into a debate with a Sunni Muslim. <laughs> and that carried on for about three hours, and I was loving it. So that kind of showed me, said, wow, these guys are rough, they're sharp, they had they had the courage, they write, I'm with this. And that was how it, it kicked off for me. So I say within a few months, I moved in, in 1989, I moved into the, uh, the 9th Street and Roll Island Avenue um, Northwest community. And that was the beginning of my, my um, my journey within the organization. Right. I didn't. I, I'm gonna save. I, I, I'm gonna save the. I'm gonna save the question of why did you leave last. So <laughs> I want to kind of go through and hit that. So I, I want to make that a distinct conversation in of itself. So um, with that, so so it appears as if you know one. You know. Uh, they they affirmed for you that Jesus was black, and though they they had you know a charismatic leader, and they they appeared to uh, be able to debate, you know everyone else uh, in 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 a way that it seemed like they had the superior knowledge. Am I correct on those correct. things? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna see if there's a pattern here. So, uh, <laughs> brother Sanjetti. <laughs> All right, so my experience began in 1995. Uh, I was 14 years old. And the Nawapian doctrine, it wasn't my introduction into self-knowledge itself in regards to having some type of an African consciousness. I really have to give that to my mother, but 
as far as deliberate reading, I would have to give that give that to Dr. Edward Robinson, the author of Journey of the Songkai People, which I've read uh, about a year prior to that. But anyway, so how I got into it, a friend of mine who lived in the neighborhood, he was a few years older, um, you know, than me. You know, he came by and he was like, yo, man, I got this, this knowledge, man. He started talking about, you know, this things in the world that we're unaware of, we're, we're asleep, we don't see things. And he pulled out a $1 bill. And he started breaking down the $1 bill, saying how, hey, look on the back, you see the eye, da da da, da. You know, look on the left side is, you know, ancient knowledge, and then the, then the right side is the, you know, Western people. And then he like folded the dollar bill and he showed what appeared to be a spider in the upper right hand corner with the web around it, okay, for the one dollar bill. And then he started talking about the World Wide Web, the internet, you know. And I'm just fascinated. I'm like, whoa. So I don't know how long we were talking. All I know is when he left, it was nighttime, and I was looking out my window, like, oh, like, oh my gosh, like this is this whole world things that's going on i have no idea so i was shook you know and i wanted to learn more so let's just say the next day or a few days later he comes back over and he brings a pamphlet that they were called scrolls and i don't remember exactly which one uh but it was a one of those introductory level ones that you you know pass to those who you wish to convert so I read it and you know if they're pamphlet, you can read it, you could read it in less than an hour, basically, you know, if you really wanted to. And but there was always packed with information. You know, it would have scriptures, quotes, and I noticed it will always have the language. So if it was quoting from the old, uh, New Testament, it would have the Greek, you know, and let's just say King James, and then it would say real translation by Dr. York. So it's establishing the superiority of the teacher or the leader and the ability to translate. So I got attracted to that. And now mind you, this occurred in Delaware and my hometown was Philly. So whenever I go to classes on Sundays, we would go to 152nd Street in Philly called the Holy Tabernacle Ministries. That's the sign that was out front. <clears throat> so we'd go to every Sunday, the knowledge class, and the teacher would stand up and- I think I, I live not too far from there. Right, yeah, exactly. I would always see the new office, you know, down the, yeah. down the street when I would go that way. But yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Right on 52nd Street. So the, the, the teacher at that location would not initiate a topic. The teacher would say, well, introduce him herself, well, himself, who was at that time was only men teaching, at least at that facility, and say, okay, ask me a question. And wait for someone in the audience to ask a question, and then that's how the conversation would spark. And I just got really fascinated, really fascinated until I started peddling the book myself. I never actually lived in the community, but I did pretty much everything else. <clears throat> So that's where I started debating Christians 
And at that time, at least in my perception, Christians were always the easiest. They were the, you know, your your beginning stage, and then you graduate into debating Muslims because they were a little bit they were more difficult to debate with. You got to know your stuff better than and and you know, of course, Hebrew Israelites who were more aggressive, if you will. And I was just getting in any any and everybody. Getting all the books, I started selling the books, and I was always between Delaware and Philly. So, you know, that's what got me into the knowledge. I was always fascinated with knowledge because I was doing it all my life, even up to that point. Uh, well, yeah, you know, we'll just save more detail for further conversation. All right. Brother, huh? All right, so that's your dog barking. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him straight. <laughs> the wolf <laughs> didn't make his full transition yet. <laughs> Meant to move that out. Let, let me try to bring that evolutionary talk to this to this <laughs> channel. Any anybody who believes in evolution is in a cult. <laughs> So. The code of evolution, the code of science. <laughs> code of science. So yeah, um, right. uh, the, the, well, my introduction into consciousness was really, I didn't even know it. It was a Dr. Ben video, and I didn't know who the hell Dr. Ben was. As a matter of fact, I was in Tennessee, and my friends had got me out of Baltimore. You know, they was drying me out for a while. Boom. So I'm in Tennessee. And a friend of mine, he gave me a book, Black Athena, and he gave me a damn Dr. Ben tape. I look at the tape. Dr. Ben said out of his mouth, somebody asked him, did he believe in God? He was like, God? He said, if I did believe in God, it would have to be my mother and my father. He said, they, they, they birthed me. He said, before them, I didn't know nothing. He said, they clothed me and fed me. And that stuck right here. Okay? Now, how did I get... To know about the new Watkins, Malachi York. <clears throat> I believe it was a I think it was a Friday night. I know exactly it was a Friday night. I know I was. I was on Emerson Avenue, Baltimore, Maryland, and I was with my lieutenant, and we we was in a stash house and we was counting up money. All right, a lot of money at the end of the night after you do all your collecting. Okay. And on his dad and on the table, this dude had some books. I was like, well, what in the world? He had some tapes, some books and some tapes, right? I said, what the hell is this? We put the damn tape in, and there's Malachi, yo, beating up the Bible. I was like, I'd never heard nobody beat the Bible up like that. He hit us with the, you know, with the Cain and Abel and the whole nine yards, like, you know, things that was clearly wrong that we that most people don't even see. Like, man, that's incredible right there, right? So he gave me some tapes, all right? And not only did he give me some tapes, he gave me one of those, I'm, I'm talking about videotapes, he gave me a cassette. The more better, the more, what was the more better, Chuck? What's the name of the show you was on? The more better, what was that? You hear me, Chuck? Hassan, can you hear me? He's, he I can hear you. I'm, I'm in the back chat. Yeah. He says that he can't hear. You got to go out and come uh, back in. 
Yeah. Yeah, go out again. So, so, so I'm listening. So, first of all, Chuck is on the Mo Better show. And he beat him mm -hmm. up with the bike. I'm like, man. So now I'm in <laughs> golf. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm engulfed. I'm, I'm I'm in the thick of it, right? But I got I got Dr. Ben in my head, right? Talking about God and how God couldn't be nobody else but his damn parents, right? And I got Melakagio beating up the bike. So that was really my first experience, right? Those books that was on the coffee table. And the tapes and the tape that Chuck was on, right? Chuck's on the mo. I swear, Chuck is giving him the benefit. It's some kind. Of, I think the show was called Scriptures Unlimited, and Chuck is giving him the business. Man, I was addicted to listening to Chuck and the way he was going. He was going against Christians, right, and all the Christians that was calling up and Mo better, and he killing them. Now, now the Christians wasn't no average Christians that was on there. But I think one of them might have been a theologian, and man, and Chuck is giving them the but they going through the whole thing, the spirit, every I mean, they they digging in. So I was always very, very enthused, you know, with the Bible and how to actually break down the Bible and beat it up and all that, right? Fast forward a little bit, right? I end up in Georgia, okay, and um, and I'm saying, man, I need to go see the pyramid. So my lieutenant was like, because I believe my, my lieutenant's family was actually. New Wapians, they was uh, 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 Ansar. Yep. That's why, you know what I mean? That's why he had like a Muslim name and all that. I didn't even know all that. Right? But they always talk about, if you go to Georgia, go see the pyramids. And so, you know, when I went, went down to Georgia, seen my uncle, and we went to Eatonton, and i never forget it. Coming down that road, when you hit that bend, right, you see you see the guy dag on pyramids pop up. And it's crazy how they pop up real slow. Since Jenny know what I'm talking about, Come up real slow, and you just be like, dang, that's interesting. And so, you know, when you go on the land, very peaceful, nobody's smoking, you know, it's all about reading books, knowledge, the whole nine yards. So on the outside, you know what I'm saying? Being, being on Eatonton, listening to Malachi Yoke teach, right, was a very, very interesting situation. Going to the classes was very, very interesting. And I guess we'll break it down later on. But for me, it just, it, it put me in a position where I, I started, you know, just reading all the time again. And just, it, they really took advantage of your ignorance and, and they took advantage of you wanting to be really black, right? And, and those two things right there, uh, your ignorance of understanding, having no scientific literacy, right? And, 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 and I call it your black allergy, where you know you wanted everything to be black. You was like, yeah, I finally see how we did something. You be hyped up, gassed up. So um, I, I personally, me personally, um, although I know it was a cult, everything about it wasn't negative. And I know y'all saying what you're talking about. And I'm telling you firsthand that you could be in a cult and the experience does not have to be negative. And so cults, I believe, are multi-layered. And depending on which level you get to, and I think Sanjay can speak to that, right? Um, I, I never got to the interworkings of it, right? And I, and, and I never lived on the land, right? And my personal experience was positive, right? So, I mean, and I know you say, well, damn. Now, when I look back in hindsight and what and, and what Malachi Yoke did, we all know it was a, 
it was a crime against the babies, and a crime against the babies is a crime against humanity. But the level I was on, how about you, Shinjetti? I know that the level I was on, just coming up to the classes every Sunday, buying the books, being in the bookstore, uh, on, on you know what I'm saying, and, and reading yeah, this um, negative for me, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've you know, for me, it was it was mostly positive for me. Um, you know, it, it was again, it was about studying, you know, getting the books, you know, just trying to enlighten people, etc. You know, but you know, you don't experience what the limitations are until later if you get into like critical thinking and reading other authors, etc. Um, but I did like the fact that it was always pushing you to gain knowledge. Now, what your attitude was about knowledge, again, that's another story about who has access to knowledge, who is the distributor of the knowledge, and who is a le who's legitimate and who's not legitimate to distribute that information. So that's another that's another conversation. But uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've very few friends from that era that are still, like when I go to Philly, when I go to Philly, especially like to the Malcolm X uh, Park, you know, when we have festivals there, I still see people that has known me from way back in the day, you know, and, and it's always all love. So, you know, there's no, no hate there at all. I think people have just pretty much got past it. And plus it was so long ago. You know that I that I stepped away. I stepped away in two thousand. You know, for reasons we'll to later on in the show. Uh, so you stepped away in two thousand, huh? Yeah, yeah. I stepped out two thousand because you know I, I was you know a good five six years in it, and you know it was time you know because I was growing. But again, we'll save that because I don't want to give give away that detail. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, when you go down to Eton, you go on that, that long road and you start pulling up, you see a little bit of it up to the right, and then you pull up the pile, you know, to the pylon, and then you go and it's a dirt road. You know, you got the got the brothers there standing guard at the front. Yeah, it, it was it, it was it was always fascinating. See the two pyramids, one pyramid is where there's a like a like a store inside of it, another one was specifically or prayer, you know, have the labyrinth around it, and and it's a constant twenty-four hour uh, meditative sounds. All, all, you know, so it always puts you in that state of wanting uh, to meditate and focus and relax. So I did appreciate that experience, and I was able to get you know the, the camera with twenty-one pictures in it to, to throw away. Back then. So I still have some of those pictures. Can you hear me? Yeah, we yeah. hear you now. Can you hear us? There's no, there's no echo. No. no, no. All right, good. Because where do we leave off? I forgot. Well, we left off on how I got into it and was listening to a lot of your work on the Mo Better show. I was trying to tell them that. So I oh, came yeah. in like 2000. Uh, I, when was you making them tapes, um, Chuck? Um, that we were doing that like. Um, the mid nineties. All right, so I got hooked on. I got hooked on listening to Chuck Morgan. Most of y'all don't even know. Um, and it shows the genius that Malachi Yoke did. He took people that was very intelligent and he just co-opted them, took their work. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would actually think that Chuck was in the New Wapian studio calling the show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
No, no, hold on. I'm telling you how masterful it was, right? You would actually think that Malachi York was training Chuck on how to beat that Bible. And that's not even what it was. Chuck gonna tell you, that's not even what it was. So it was a lot of, I, I think y'all talk about the differences between cults and like right now and and because, you know, I could argue that Christianity is a cult. It's just a yeah, big yeah. It's a yeah. big cult, right? It, it's the negative aspect of it, meaning so the way the dude took advantage of people. So he really took advantage of Chuck's work. Chuck was a master, right? I put Chuck up against anybody when it comes to He liked the secret weapon. The scriptures and all that, nah, you ain't, nah, you're not getting past Chuck. There's no getting past Chuck, forget about it. So I got addicted to listening to Chuck. I had all his tapes. I still got some, I believe. Right, like this. I, I lied yeah, to you. It was 11 of them, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he took his show from the radio. That was from the Mo Better Man show. We did the radio. And yeah. um, he released those audio tapes all over the world, made money off it. I got nothing for it. <laughs> but it's all good. But I enjoy, I enjoy the uh, back and forth with the dialogue because in the process of doing all of those shows, um, I grew. You know, in, in addition to what I was getting from his publications or what he would tell me to say or whatever, other people who brought different viewpoints, they did enlighten me. I wouldn't say the brother Rick at the time. Not Rick. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Actually, Rick, you know me, honestly, Rick reminds me. Is that an emergency broadcast system? I hope not. Why? Is that somebody, is that an Amber yeah. Alert? Yeah. Or somebody yeah, phone? That, I don't know yeah, Amber that Alert. Is. Malachi Yoke has yeah. gotten loose. Yeah. That, was <laughs> that, that was an Amber Alert. Uh, oh, is oh, that what it was? Before, before we move forward, I want to go through these. Uh, well, I was jotting some notes down while y'all were talking uh, before I, I logged off and, and got back on. So some common characteristics that I'm seeing from y'all experience is that there appears to be that the organization, and when we're talking about defining certain aspects of a cult, it appears that the organization brings about some secret and sacred knowledge as if like this organization has information that no one else does in in when it regards the truth of reality i'm, I'm, I'm seeing that um finding racial pride and so like with uh brother chuck he said that you know he was dealing with the the jesus being black and that's that's one of the things that attracted me to the hebrew israelites um, as well is that they were they were making these important people uh, in the in the Bible black, um, and then which leads me to the next one that links to a glorious people. So we are the original Hebrews. We are the original Arabs. You know the original man. Yada yada yada. And there's a strong debate feature. You know uh, about that, like their 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 willingness to to challenge you know, others. And um, and so do y'all agree with these? What would y'all add? <clears throat> You're right on point. I agree. I think that um, one of the things is this, let me, 
I, I, I don't know. This mic is acting weird. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we can. All right. Um, I agree with um that not everything was bad within the organization. I mean, I don't think I've ever said that it was. Um, I mean, I, I, even to this day, I still say in spite of what he did, I mean, the guy, he was a funny dude. I mean, yeah. whenever I was around him, I enjoyed myself as, when he was, when we were all together, you know, because we would laugh, joke, you know, he would pick on people. It, he was a funny guy, plain and simple. Yeah. But I had yeah, that man. Well, I'm not going to go into because that goes into um, what you wanted, you wanted to go as far as uh, why I left. But um, uh, there were so many things that we did um, culturally, if you will, within that group that uh, I learned a lot. I, I had some good times. I met some good people, some, some really smart individuals, highly intelligent, mm -hmm. good people, sisters, brothers. Met a wonderful young lady that we're still friends to this day. She's in the chat, but won't say who she is. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I, my, listen. I never really had a bad time within the organization, other than when we had the radio show and there was a brother that sabotaged it because he was jealous because he wasn't getting the shine, if you will. Mm. You know, because, yeah. uh, because, you know, listen, I, I didn't set out for that kind of thing. I just wanted to get, I wanted to increase my knowledge because Jewels of Aton, um, House of Knowledge, the Pyramid Bookstore, they had beautiful books, but then the publications that York was releasing, it captivated me just by the covers alone. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was controversial where was Jesus, God, um, mm -hmm. the resurrection, you know? Are um, they black devils? Are, are they black devils? You know, these these questions that- Hold you on, Chuck. Have, Hold on, Chuck. Hold on, Chuck. Who rolled the stone? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I had on my table, I had it all. And because I love the, um, I love to have a back and forth dialogue with people, it was perfect for me because I was making money. I was intellectualizing. I was, um, at my, at the way I felt about it, I was enlightened people. And of course, the people who came that wanted to debate, if you will, on an aggressive tip, I loved it. I embraced it. They had to leave because I would follow them home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can relate, you know, to Chuck. You know, like I didn't have, you know, most of my experiences were positive. You know, we would, I was learning how to do ritualistic type prayer. You know, me and my friends would, you know, go in my basement and we would cut the tape on. And we would hear the meditative uh, singing and, and chant and we would do it, we would do it together. We, you know, learned about, you know, hygiene, which a lot of that I still do to this day, you know, following those hygienic laws. You know, we got heavy Leviticus, what to eat, what not to eat, you know. And to this day, I don't eat pork. I haven't eaten pork since 1995, you know. Um, you know, so those things I, I do value, you know, that have impacted on me today, you know, so. It wasn't, you know, of course, it wasn't all bad. I, again, I was reading these books. Oh, man. I ended up reading the entire Bible from page one, Genesis, to the end of uh, Revelation 
by the time I was 16 years old. If I was 16, I read it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. So after that, you know, I was exposed to Arabia. Um, I was exposed to Arabic. Uh, by the time I was 17, I read the entire Quran from age one, first order, all the way to the end. And, you know, of course, Hebrew or, or Aramaic, Aramaic, so a little bit of Greek, and you're exposed to all these things and you're bombarded and it's like, wow. And you don't really see anyone else going to those levels. And you also have it to where Dr. York is putting out books from other doctrines. So the five percenters lessons, he compiled them and put them into a book. Mm-hmm. He made his own translation of Old Testament, New Testament, Quran, etc. He's like, wow, like he just out everybody. In Jew. You know, in Jew. Yeah, you know, you know, and using these you know so-called proper names, like man, we're on another level. Pseudoisms. <laughs> so I tell you what, that's why that's why I know I'm personally undefeated against the pseudos, right? <laughs> like, because once Malachi York thing was pseudo training one on one. Like you will never find a greater teacher of pseudoisms of truth and falsehoods mixed in the matching. You will never, you will never, you will, there is no. I, I, I don't know. You, There's a lot of them out there. You know, no, the Hebrew no, Israelites got some, got some pseudo teachings for your ass. And, and, yeah, and this, and this, is, this is the reason why I, I, I titled the show the way it is. Why I like everyone should join a cult. You know, hopefully you would come out of it yeah. You know, uh, it, you know, if you're strong enough to eventually come out of it, but it, it humbles you and makes you appreciative yeah. of the fact that you are not as smart as you think. That yeah. that you can easily be swayed yeah. into some wrong information, <laughs> and that you know, uh, if if you come out stronger on the other time, you'll be careful of of what you teach. To other people, because you you have a care and concern now about their development, and so like when I think about like those years that I was going and teaching, you know, the Hebrew Israelite doctrine, and now I got to come back and say I was wrong, you know, on on essentially all of that stuff, you know, I don't want to, and you know, and people are looking to me for for sound information. And and now I got to come back and be like, my bad, you know, and, and apologize for this stuff. And so it's like, you know, I, I, I take seriously now the information that I bring to the public because of that experience, you know, with the Hebrew Israelites. But I think everyone should join. But, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, you have the will to, to come out of it alive and, <laughs> and a critical thinker. You know, later on, but you're not going to you're not going to learn critical thinking in the cult. Um, I can I can guarantee that. <laughs> but yeah, because you would challenge. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you if you had the critical thinking skills, you would you would challenge. <laughs> you wouldn't be in there, exactly. You wouldn't be but, in there. But that's one of the things. Uh, who was it? Uh, Sanjetti said that you know the being in the organization opened opened him up to some material that he probably would not have read 
you know, on his own devices. And it's the same thing even with the, the Hebrew Israelite tradition. And so we were looking at these alternative, you know, um, conversations like uh, in reading about, you know, European history and, you know, the Borgiers and, the, you know, and the structures and all of that and in, in biblical history and all of that, um, that if I was still in the church, I would have never, you know, chose to look at because, you know, there probably been a sin. But, you know, uh, so it, it gets you. What am I trying to say? The at least with the Hebrew Israelites and I, and I can see this with the Nuwapians there, they cultivate some self-study. But what I'm also getting from the from the cults in general is that if you don't read the prescribed books that they have mm. and if you don't come to the same conclusions that they have it's a problem then it's a problem and and i think that's ultimately where the problem is there's no there's no room for free thinkers no and and everyone has to agree with the leadership otherwise they are you know in a sense ostracized um has that been any of y'all experience yes. with the new options absolutely right. yeah you go chuck first one out oh man see it had got down to the point where so many people started getting uh publications from other writers and then they would confront york about it and what what does he say about this and his response was i don't read that stuff See, when he would give classes, there would be classes that's for the general public. And then for us who, who own uh, stores, we would go down on different times of the week and make purchases. And then he would have classes set aside. And then he would give instructions on what's going to be the new uh, fad or the new um, uh, doctrine that he's going to teach. So um, there was a brother, the brother, everybody, I guess, you know, uh, Sadiq, Mitchell um, Hotel. Okay, he started yeah. reading Matrix books. And, um, you know, Deke was, was one thing I could say that was another brother that, you know, they probably, they probably hate me today because of newwapianism.com. <laughs> but that, that was, he was my mentor when I was in the community because all he did was study, study, study. And so by the time uh, he, when he was going down to get um, books for the store, um, he started asking questions about the Matrix book, and then York embarrassed him and started talking, you know, you need to ask that brother about that. You don't come to me with that kind of stuff. I'm above that, you know. <laughs> so we were all, at that point, a lot of us was like, whoa, you know, you don't ask him. See, there were questions that you asked that, that had to come from the publications that he put out where you want to get more information or, or how to... Um, debate better or how to uh, slice up a Christian, Muslim, Hebrew, Israelite, Israeli church, whatever. But if you start asking questions about something in the, um, like, give me the point. At one point when I had um, broke off, I started uh, hanging out with Steve Copeland. And, you know, at one point, Steve would quote, say, the Leviathan book. He would quote um, just the thing about um, E. Pluribus Unum. And then he would say, well, Dr. York, in his book, Leviathan and 666, he says that, you know, out of many come one. And then, then you're talking about the New World Order and all this other stuff. And just breaking away at that point and, you know, being around him and the Name and the Names Committee and the Boulay and all that stuff, I had access to stuff that York never taught. 
And so when I would uh, do my classes and people will start going into different topics, I would bring up the boule and then go on and on. And Henry Minton, and it was a, a it was Sigma Pi Phi. And he and Minton wanted to have, he wanted to, to establish a fraternity likened into the skull and bones at Yale and all this other stuff. So I'm kicking this stuff and then I'm getting bad flack from York there. Why, who told you that? Why are you teaching that? You know, and so I had to pull back on what I taught because or what I was instructed to to say or what I was parroting because he was opposed to it because it wasn't something that either he didn't know about or he didn't want to talk about because that's a that's a topic topic he never did talk about. So, so you had huh? What you're saying is that unless you know the the information came from him then it it was not um valid. it was not valid in a sense like it was like, not like, valid no and because um his thing was the information that i'm giving you is coming not from me but through me because his whole thing was that he was an incarnation of the angel michael or melchizedek <laughs> and then when he started moving out of that mindset because he remember you got to go back to that that critical period in 1989 and 1990 or 88 and 89 when Bilal Phillips wrote the book The Ansar Cult in America. When that book came out, it changed the game for York. Mm. He changed his doctrine. The sisters had to come out of the veils and we started adopting this um, country western attire. Because <laughs> oh, oh, real quick, why? Because I I got that book. Why why was that? You mean the book with uh um? Hold on, do I got the response book to that with your picture on it, with the Muslim garb on? He wrote a book called The Ansar Cult in America: The Rebuttal or The Rebuttal to the Slanderers: The Ansar Cult in America. His That's book, that book is yeah, and that book got me fired, ironically, because when I worked at Islamic Business Video, the brother. Oh, the pyramid bookstore. One of them, I had put the, I would have let the brothers come in and that, they gave me books for free and I put it in the store. And I said, if you get the answer, I'll call book, I'll give you that book for free. And the, the person running the store did not like that. He was a Sunni Muslim. Mm. And so that, when I saw the conflict there and how they feared York at the time, I was like, man, I'm down with him. Because <laughs> everybody seemed at that time to be afraid of him. Nobody wanted to debate him. Hmm. And so, so, Chuck, you know, Mental Hotel, is he one of the ones who's part of the, the, the triad teaching team? Yes. Mental Hotel, Haru Hotel, and Khansu Hotel. Yeah. yeah he's the big dude with the big fat neck, dark skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When I saw them uh -huh. in the late 90s teaching, yeah, you know, they, they would switch out uh -huh. you know, up on the stage, and I was yeah. like, damn. Oh, they were bad. I will yeah. say that. Listen, oh, what about Bun? Hold on, Chuck. Hold on, Chuck. What about Bun? Bun? I mean, Bun, yeah, Boston Bun. By that time, Bun was already down on the land. He would do, he, see, they were trying to establish three. He was no. They were York was trying to establish three triads. So right. he had um, he had the ones that was on Tamaray. He had me, another brother, Jonathan Johnson, and this other guy. 
So we were going to be the triad in the north. After we had got raised in the um, the Masonic thing down there, um, that was when um, I was doing the radio show and I had these other guys with me. And uh, that's how we were going to, it was going to manifest, manifest from there. And um, because that, that conflict happened between me and another guy, you know, he almost got get, went down to blows, he canceled it. And that's why he just said, just open up a store for yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to kind of, I'm going to say veggie back, you know, off of Chuck, with your experience with, with conflict when you start bringing in outside knowledge. So I remember there was a book, I think it was called El Magaraj. I think yep. it was Magaraj, yep. about the pilgrimage. Yes. I, like I said, I think it was that book. It, it, and if it's not, it's like on page like 48 or 46 of that book. I think it's that one. Where York mentions, he says, the Kabbalion, the book of Tehuti, such and such and such and such. And when I read that, I was like, I got fascinated. I'm like, wait a minute, you mean tell me that there's an Egyptian god that has a book of writings that I have access to? Yeah. Now, at this point, I didn't know the word Kemet. It was not, I, I didn't get there yet. It was just Egypt with an I instead of a Y. I mean, mm -hmm. So, I, and, and, and I was only reading Dr. York's book because that that's how how we're conditioned. His books are the only ones that are legitimate and worth reading. If you need to know about other stuff, get it from here and we'll tell you about the other stuff. So I took it upon myself to get this book, The Cabalion. Uh, I called, it was Borders. This one, Borders Bookstore was still open. I ordered it, uh, came in the mail. I went over, well, I came to the, the bookstore, went and got it. And this is it. This is that right here. This is the copy of that book, the Kabbalion. This is mine. Yeah. And when I got this book, it was the this is the very first book I've gotten regarding knowledge that was not published by Dr. York at this point. You know, at least since I started reading his books. And this is the book that I say freed my mind, if you will. Because in here, it talks about the mental universe, the plane of matter. I mean, the all is in all, just as all is in the all. Okay, and then I'm reading the meaning of it. But let me this tell you, when I walked away from this book, I, I mean, I read this in less than a week. I was just, it was like starting over again. I realized that no one man has a monopoly on knowledge. That's what that's what I got out of this. You know, now I don't adhere to the Kabbalah at all, et cetera. However, yeah, yeah, that's what I came out of there. And that the universe is my class, is my university. Mm -hmm. And different people I meet are different schools and you know that we're conditioned to say, I am God. Yes. So that means that I have the ability and power of discernment myself if I'm God. Mm -hmm. so, but I'll stop there because then that segues into, I know, Sarah's uh, final question. But I met, I met a lot of resistance. Yeah. 
Oh, are talking about the book that. I know. Hey, but like, hold what? on. He's quoting his book. Why can't I get this book? What's wrong with me reading it? No, so, go ahead, go ahead, bro. Listen. Now nah, you won't, Chuck. Stop, stop, Chuck. I'm next. Relax. Relax, Chuck. Chuck Morgan. <laughs> Don't get me started, man, because I can't stop. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> man, if I let you go, we no, because no, because if, 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 uh, sorry, can I show? Can I share my screen before? Uh, no, man. Let me go. Come on with that. Hey, uh, I got the mic. <laughs> 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 Let me say this. So go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to talk about vulnerability. It, it, it's called it, it, it's based off of how vulnerable you are in the cult. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I had a, my, my family was fully intact, meaning my aunts and uncles would come pick me up. I had my mother, my father. Right. So I didn't need a family. I didn't need a gang. I needed a family. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I never, I never, first of all, all the alien talk and all that uh, malarkey, I never listened to none of that. None of that, that was foolishness, complete foolishness, right? My whole thing was trying to understand what God was, right? That was my whole thing, with the state, and the, none of that, just the God piece, right? And so remember, I came into the school that y'all was gone. I came into the Nuwapian school, being in Nuwapian, right? That was like the atheistic school. You know what I mean? You feel me? That's strictly the atheistic school. You wasn't there, Sanjay, and by then you was gone, Chuck. <laughs> so our whole thing was beating up religion. That was the thing, beating up the religion. You know what I'm saying? So when y'all see me beat up religion, y'all know that, y'all know why. But the point was, when, when, when I came to Eatonton in 2000, I had a pocket full of money. So I did need money, so I wasn't vulnerable in that, right? I didn't need friends, I already had my friends. All I needed was some education on this thing, talking about black people and where we fit in, in, in this whole thing, right? So early on in the game, I always had problems. First of all, I'm not running around broke with y'all because people on the land were just broke. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? I'm fresh. I'm fresh to death, right? And you can't tell me I can't read another book because that's just dumb. So, mm -hmm. so, so, when I'm in, so when I go to the lodge, right? You know, I would get in arguments with people. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like, like Jesus found in Egypt. But if you look at the back of Jesus found in Egypt, he has a bibliography like John, I mean, no, a Dr. Ben. He actually quotes out of Dr. Ben's work. So I got Dr. Ben's work. I also got uh, a Shigant Diop's work. Okay. And for me, Sinjeti, reading Diop's work made me say, it, it, it was another, it was another level because I start to realize that your books would like kind of repeat itself and it never reached a fucking conclusion. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Once you get a good author, you be like, that shit. And so I would always challenge. I'm like, man, look, one person can't do everything. Y'all bugging and all that <laughs> shit. I got a father. Y'all tripping. So I was always that dude who was, y'all know how I get out. Like, man, get out of here with that nonsense. So yeah, I like this, but I think y'all going a little bit too far. You know what I'm saying? And I had Bun, Brother Bun. So really, I got a lot of information from Bun. And Bun, you know, I appreciate him. I talked to him to this day. He actually kept me grounded. He was like, man, don't listen to that shit. That, nope. Don't believe that. Nope. And new. That, I, I, I. He was like, yo, just stay here. And so he kept me grounded. 
And so the challenge was on for me from day one. But what I did not have, I did not have scientific literacy so I could give the true critique. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Chuck? Uh, oh, <laughs> <your> screen, Chuck. <laughs> okay. No, um, see, here's the thing, because on the website, there's a section um, on plagiarism. All right, let me mm-hmm. let me try to let me because I've never I've never been on um, StreamYard, so let me uh, try to share. One moment. Okay. Mm. I'm trying to share. Hold on. It says not responding. Give it time. Give it a sec. Okay. Um. Oh, where is it? Uh, right here. Okay. Can anybody see this? I don't see nothing just yet. Okay, hold on. Um, it'll, it'll pop up. It may just be, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, this book right here. See, when Sinjeti pointed that out, um, this is another book. It's called Pyramid Energy. The philosophy of God, the science of man. See, when you had mentioned something about uh, like a lot of the esoteric teachings, I can't of see it, Chuck. I thought you was putting it up. You can't see it. Hell no! I just see your face and the microphone talking. Yeah. Hold up! I hit the screen share. Damn it! How do you do this? <laughs> hit screen. Let me see. Do you see screen share at the bottom? I see. It. Yeah, I got the screen share. And okay. you, you did you select? You know um full screen or a particular app is it on the website if you're on chrome it'll say chrome tab or something like that yeah you see oh, yeah. see that chuck see i'm sharing my screen see yeah i see that but um for some reason oh oh yeah see chrome yeah i see it i see it. i got it thanks it's all okay mm-hmm. boom check this out <clears throat> you see that no no. Hold on, I gotta. Well, it should add it itself. I think I gotta add it personally. So. Okay. Yeah, there you go. We got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now this is from the, actually a brother, Daryl um, uh, E. Barrett Jr. He uh, sent me this because he had came across this, and um, I was blown away because a lot of the esoteric stuff, even Morpheus had um, hit me up with a bunch of books. Um, the uh, I forget the brother's name, the DJ for um, Salt and Pepper. Uh, he gave me a bunch of books and tied me in with it and showed me because this was new material for my website. So what I come to find out is like, whoa! Because see, one of the one of the things about the brother Mentu Hotep was he always I, I never forget it when he would teach classes because um, the brother um, uh, Wajaru he used to film all the classes in DC and then bring it send it down to um, to York. So. One of the things that he would always say is this, this phrase, electron, proton, electron grids, and all this other stuff, right? So um, the brother hit me and said, Chuck, check this out. So he gave me this um, book, and then I, I looked into it. Where is it? Here, here it is. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> Damn, I lost my point. But let me go back up here first. Um, the book is that... The Kabbalion book, when he talks about uh, I am in all and all is in me, mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff, yeah, York was copying all of this stuff. So when yeah. people bring up questions about it, they start to tap into York's source. 
and he got irritated by that. Hmm. Just like there were some brothers who had um, discovered Zechariah Sitchins' writings, mm -hmm. and they banded together and they started asking them questions, and then York was York put them out, and then he pretty much um, gave them all a bad name. Um, this one, just look, just take a look at this right here, real quick. This is from the book um, by uh, huh? Okay, this is the Holy Tablets. Mm -hmm. And this book, that's the book of knowledge, the keys of Enoch. Who wrote that? That's, that's the latest version right there. That's huh? The yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so the Hertag. This is um uh Hertag's book. Who? Now, uh what's his first name? Uh I forgot that's his first name. It's a white boy, yeah. Ain't yeah. A white boy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gave us all white boy information. I had yeah, he did that a lot. Um, especially and also uh Indians or uh, Hindu. Okay, so if you look at here, you see the original. Now, this is from Hertaz's book. The ionized field around the blood cells loses its proton-electron-proton relationship to a new electron-proton-electron field as the life form is, is moved into the next phase of the electromagnetic spectrum. The former proton orientation is dropped is dropped and a new recombination process result. Now, York's book says the exact same thing. Look at on page 171 of the Holy Tablets, he's saying the exact thing. If you look at this, you can just go to the, if you go to my website, wabianism.com in the plagiarism section, you'll see this and you can compare and, and see for yourself that, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I love Needless to say, Zechariah Sitchin was one of his main um, samples to use, and that that pretty much so that that made him that gave him extra millions from the books that he was um, that that seems to be another pattern as well. Is that ultimately a lot of I would say black cult that we can call cults in the modern sense get a lot of their information from white boys and don't credit them facts why they hate white that's people the whole time yeah that seems to be the heart of their information they, they come and act like they're they're bringing something new and profound and and also that there's a connection uh, this is something that i mentioned um, in, in my conversation about the uh, the Hebrew Israelites, and I didn't know that about you know because I wasn't in the New Wapians, you know when I left the the Hebrews in the late nineties, you know I, I I didn't deal with nobody. I didn't want to go to another you know saying organization, so I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, come across them. But it seems like they all try to have some kind of connection to some divine being. And so with the Hebrew Israelites, uh, at least the ICUPK back in the, uh, the early 90s, they claimed to be the reincarnation, the, at least the, the chief high priest, that they were the, the reincarnation of the disciples of the Bible. And so, you know, like so it, like when I'm looking at these cults, there, there's always this this so-called connection this special connection to some kind of divinity, so to speak. 
and I and it's like they they are special because they have the relationship to the divinity or are a manifestation of the divinity itself. And and I find that you know whether you're talking about Nation of Islam, whether you're talking about Hebrew Israelites, Nuwapians, you know Mormons, you know the the Pope, you know in terms of the the Catholic Church. Like it's you know you can even say that in terms of a babalawo, you know in the in the Ifa tradition or the Bia in the Ebo tradition, it's like you know these people are saying that they have a special relationship with a, a divine entity, and this seems to be like the draw for a lot of people. Like you know they must their information must be right and exact because you know they have the special relationship with this divine spirit you know or or whatnot and so that's that's something that's common that that i'm seeing you know with the um with the organizations but but why did y'all specifically like what was the the straw that broke the camel's back that made y'all say you know what i have to uh separate myself from the organization and or the teachings what was what was what was that situation surrounding the uh, or that motivated that move okay. all right so for me it was one out you know i was coming i was becoming a man remember i started i was 14 years old so once I started, I hit 17, 18, you know, I'm, I'm developing as a man and what my own independent. So once I started looking at other books, again, after I read this, I said, let me, I was now mind you, I was still reading Dr. York's books. But once I came across books like this, Egyptian Yoga by Muatta Ashby. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. It was a different style of writing. So I recall there was a book that was put out by the AEO, Dr. York, but AEO. So you had the ancient mystical order of ancient mystical order of Machesbeck, and then it became the ancient Egyptian order, Egypt with I. So one of the publications was something like the importance of initiation something like that but martha ashby has a book at the same time called the glory of initiation i was like wow both books are about the same size and the titles are similar i was reading one i read the other i was like wait a minute hold on and i put i, I have both books i put them side by side and i was comparing and contrasting <laughs> paragraph to paragraph. Now, mind you, I've heard at this time it was just rumors to me. So I said somebody he plagiarizes. I was like, no, nah, that's not real. But I got it firsthand. It wasn't somebody came and showed it to me. Hmm. I'm reading it and I read the whole book. I was flipping both pages in both books. And the only thing that he changed was the word understand to overstand. And I was like, you know, yeah, I, I, was, I was I was devastated. Like my, it was cognitive dissonance, and I'm glad 
I was in a room by myself. <laughs> I don't know what happened when someone else was, was there and questioned me like, you see this? I probably would have flipped out. And, and then there was another cult members use that word overstand. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm adding that to the characteristics of cult <laughs> members. You know, <laughs> in the woke community, it's over. I can't stand the word overstand. But I'm sorry, so, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so there was another book that came out. It was called Ancient Egyptian Martial Arts. Got the book, read it. Until I came across this book called Nuba Wrestling by Nigel Benz. Now, Nigel Benz, he worked, he, he was a stuntman in Hollywood. Today, he's a sculptor, professional sculptor. So go on my Facebook page, I'm one of his friends. So when I hit 18, 17, or 18 is when you know I was going Amazon.com pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. So I could look up ISBN numbers. And then when I hit 19 and 20, ISBN numbers just so I can call Borders of Barnes and Noble to order the books, you know. So I ended up coming across this on the internet, and I'm like, hmm, I got the book, and Dr. York plagiarized from this book. So if anyone has ancient Egyptian martial arts, you get this book from <laughs> Dr. Benz right here. Now, someone may say, oh, well, Dr. Benz you know, must have got the ideas from him. No. The publication is 1990, right there. That book came out in 2000. And yeah, so that, that was another straw. I'm like, you know what, I, I can't do this. Oh, and here's one last thing. Now the teacher at, in the, at the Philly 52nd Street, you know, again, we're talking and he's like, yeah, I gotta go get these books for Pops because all of us used to call them Pops back mm -hmm. then. And he was saying he had to go pick up African Presence in Early Asia by Runuka Rashidi. So I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I'm thinking, hold on, don't you channel this from the 19th galaxy, whatever, planet risk, et cetera? Why are you getting books by these other guys? You know, and prior to that conversation, I've never heard of Runuka Rashidi. And I'm like, Runuka Rashidi, wait a minute. So I went and got the book, you know? So I'm like, well, I might as well get this stuff and then not that. So, you know, that year when I turned 19, that's when, you know, Dr. Ben, you know, he was, he was bad mouth Dr. Ben. And that's actually how I heard about Dr. Ben, Dr. York, bad mouth him because he said, yeah, Dr. You know, we're down here in Tao, Tom Ray, we're in Tom Ray. Dr. Ben, he says Tom Man, like playing him out. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, well, let me find out. So I went and got this book. This was, this was my first Dr. Ben book I ever got in Ray. Come to find out, Tom Mary is correct and Tom Ray <laughs> is not. So that that's that's when I was like, okay, I can't do this. And dealing with the language, whopping, I mean, Wapian is Semitic, okay? Hands down, it's Semitic. That's it. There's no, it's not a conversation. It's Semitic, no matter how you change the verb, the, the um, vowels. So I stopped doing that, and then I got this book. Okay, it's all beat up now. This is my first metal natural instructor, Ankh Ra. I met him in 2000, and he's my first teacher 
And if you'll learn better next year, this is the path you go. Not that. Okay. I'll pass to Mike. Oh, you know you were speaking new You know you were speaking new wife. Get oh, out I of was. here. I was. <laughs> I was. I was. And I was good at it, too. Yeah, that you know what? That kind of helped you when you got into the real thing, though. That's because remember, you write the symbols and all that. Yeah, I was, I was writing the symbols. I was, I was good at it. You know, got the language book. Oh, man. It. Okay. Hmm. Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, you want to go fast, Chuck, because you're going to go to Longs. Who? Oh, yeah. Um, well, mine is a, is a yeah. that was a question, Chuck. I didn't. Here's the weird thing about it. Um, I didn't actually break off from the organization until around 2011, because when I when I left um, the mainland and came out here, I still was. Um, I considered myself still to be in the Wapi. I kept the books, um, at least the Christian books, because I figured since they're going to be Mormon, Seven Day Adventists, and all kinds of Christians and Catholics over here. I figured, why not? I, I, you know, I can go up and battle them, and who knows what happens. Um, <clears throat> I didn't start to really see. Here's the thing: when he got arrested, I, like everybody else, was in denial. Okay, mm -hmm. so I rejected any of the stuff about the case, the trial. I didn't want to know anything about it. I just felt, look, they set him up. It's a conspiracy. It's a political prisoner. Blah blah blah. I even even went on Mo Betterman show saying that. So it that didn't change until you know I got with um, with Jaru, because I thought at that time because I hadn't seen him in years, I thought he was still with it. And um, you know we talked, and then um, I started asking questions about the case because of some incident happened. Because I was going on Facebook throwing questions to the teachers. I would call some of the some of the best teachers he had and ask some questions. The first question that I asked that I wanted to answer, not, not only to get the answer, because I figured, damn, it's York has said it over the years, it's in all the publications, but he never showed any evidence of it. The question was, where in Egypt is it mentioned that Abraham created the pig, that I'm sorry, that Zosa created the pig for Abraham. I asked them all. I asked everybody because York tells you in the Holy Tablets, in the um, um, the uh, who did the dog the dog book did the hog come from mankind? It's in all the latest publications that 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 same thing that the pig was a byproduct of the dog, cat, and the rat. Mm -hmm. right? The dog, mm -hmm. cat, and the rat. Now he took that from um, the um, I think it's how to eat. Um, how to eat to live or something like that from the nature of the song. Then he started innovating and started adding, well, the dog, cat, and the rat was actually an experiment that took place because of the master chemist, Imhotep. They, manipulating the genes, were able to develop by, by combining the genes and the fusion of the dog, the cat, and the rat, having the intuity and the wise, the wisdom of the, the cat, and all this kind of stuff. And that was supposed to be what that by way of that formula, Zold, I'm sorry, Imhotep gave the pig to Abraham when they went to the land of Canaan to eat up all of the carcasses of the dead Caucasians and were the Canaanites. Hmm. So when I asked the question, nobody gave me answers. So they would say, Well, I knew one brother, he said, Well, you know, 
um, the, the uh, remember the uh, the libraries in Alexandria? Yeah, it was there, but they burned. It. So now you, you're not gonna find it. Okay, I said, so, okay, well, was that before or after York wrote the book? Yeah, well, how would you know if it was burned? How would you know it exists? Exactly. So I knew that was the BS. I know, I, look, I used to teach these guys. I know when you go around the question, you play these little word games and you try to divert. It didn't work. So I would throw little blogs up here and there and challenging them. And, and, and they was getting pissed off because I'm quoting York. I'm not coming off my thing. I'm quoting him. And so it just, it just bubbled. And then people said, why don't you get a, why don't you set up a 360 questions? I asked them, why being blah, blah, blah. And that's what uh, spearheaded me in that direction. Um, that was around 2011. But when York was, when York had finally got convicted and was sent to prison, you know, during the time he was incarcerated in jail, Jones County and these other places, we were still communicating by way of um, letters because I was on his yeah. um, letter mailing list where he can get letters and he would, you know, tell me, yeah, I'm, I'm up here. They're doing this. They're doing that. You know, and because I was, I had, I was doing something that the other brothers wasn't. I was using radio, talk radio. Uh, Joe Madison of uh, WOL or um, X, XM, whatever. He was the one that instructed me in the studio on how to, you know, conduct yourself, how to use the mic and all this other stuff that they had in there. So York was, was, was he wanted his, his message to get across to the public by way of the radio show, mm. you know? Mm. And um, he got pissed off at me because I had wrote him a letter saying that the people, you know, they, they uh, miss you. And they, they say that you did this and you were still great. And then he got saying that, well, you act like I'm dead. I mean, that's the tone of the letter. And he said, well, we don't, we don't need to talk like this anymore. And I hadn't gotten another letter from him since. Mm. So I was still holding the torch for, your, for the, um, the teachings. And then by the time 2011 came around, 2012, I started studying the case, the trial, and all, all the stuff, and then talking to victims and all stuff. That's when I realized, damn. That's what I said, damn. And when I read the transcript, the sealed transcripts, and the, the vivid, gory details, and then looking at private medical analysis, the, the, um, the medical results, of victims that never got published, but because I, you know, people gave me stuff, I saw it. I knew it. The herpes thing, what he had, what this one had, everything. It was all there. So I was, I was after with an open mind reading the the transcripts, actually putting yourself in the courtroom, seeing what the the jury was 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 visually seeing all the people who were there watching, I came to my conclusion said, damn, I had to let it go. Uh, would, would, would a cord do it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it look, it, it, it was slowly building because when he started coming around talking about he was, um, when they started releasing uh, True Light tapes um, and saying that he is now ready to tell who he really is, he is... Um, the um, he is a man from the planet Risk. He's from the eighth galaxy, and he's from the eighth planet in the nineteenth galaxy called Ilium. And when that came out, 
that kind of gave me chills because like, how am I going to tell people this? And then the Yakub stuff about having the head, you know, the big head, and then the the cone heads from the Saturday Night Live thing. I said no, Saturday Night Live got it from Dr. York. No, <laughs> but that was that was a game that it was given us. So it slowly but surely, I was I was still skeptical, but I was holding the torch, hoping hoping the brother was not lying to me. Cause I wasn't really a practicing Christian. I just was, you know, I was always questioning. Because even when I was in the church, I was asking questions, you know. Can I talk to Jesus myself? Would I have to go to, you know, I was like that. I was always skeptical. And then when York would um, make fun of the word skeptic and say, you're a skeptic, you skip over the fact, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> This you, you bring out a, um, a kind of a pertinent point that you know I, I always you know interject when I'm talking about bringing uh, or developing organizations, you know, uh, for the, the the enlightenment and the betterment of African people, is that it can't be centered around the the benevolence of a charismatic leader like it has to be organized in a sense that there's no leader because if if someone if the leader acts up then you know the whole organization for the most part falls and that seems to be a weakness like we're still you know even if we leave the church we still are looking for a savior you know this divine savior so to speak and then that prevents us from from asking those critical questions which is one of the reasons why i like um why i gravitate to to science and its methodologies because there is no leader everybody's is expected to get their information scrutinized you know and then there's a collective consensus you know, in terms of what is what is valid and what is not, that is constantly being challenged, you know, by by current and upcoming generations who are examining that particular phenomenon. And that's something that doesn't exist. And I always say that one of the major uh, differences between a religion and the uh, and science is that in science, you are expected to to question the wisdom of your ancestors whereas in a religion that is a taboo you know we we think that what the the elders and the ancestors said was just right and exact without any kind of you know verification whatsoever you know is is because it was something so long ago that you know this makes it right and exact like we're always looking for the super ancient you know knowledge <laughs> and, uh, you know and and you know we have this, this this mythology that you know the information and everything was more pure back in the day and that you know we have digressed since this imaginary golden age and i and i find that problematic but uh Brother Unc, you didn't give your story. What was the straw that that broke the camel's back? It made you be like, you know what? I got to get out of here 
dealing with these new options. It seemed like Shinjetti struggled a little bit. It seemed like Chuck, you struggled for years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was loyal. Let me so let me let, let me do this. Let me do this. When them feds ran up on the lane, my first thing was, damn, I could have stayed in Baltimore, Maryland, and got the feds ran up on me. This is this is real interesting here, right? And so, of course, we all said, you know, here's the famous saying. So now all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? The white man gonna tell the truth. That, 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 that was the key statement. All of a sudden now, white man going to tell the truth. And so as the facts started to unfold, you know, we we, we still fought. We still fought. But I, I, I never forget it. I never forget this. <clears throat> My ex-wife, she was like, so, because we debating. It was me, her, her friend, and my homeboy that was up on the land, right? We just went to the land, right? And, you know, uh, somebody, I think Bun or somebody was teaching the triad, was teaching or something. And on the way back, they were like, so y'all still going to do this? Yeah, that man locked up for molesting people and all that. Is y'all serious? We was like arguing back and forth. And then my ex-wife made a famous thing. She said, so would you leave your kids up here with me? I did like mm -hmm. this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. And from that point on, I never went back. So it was my kids and my love for my kids, right, that it didn't matter whether he did it or not. The fact was I wasn't willing to gamble with my kids. Like I just wasn't – that. that's not the game I'm going to play. Like I hadn't, I hadn't lost myself that much, that far. And I'm going to tell you, Colts, Colts is like slavery. They cause you to lose yourself. I like it to slavery. You lose – yourself, you lose your identity and you become the leader. Like like the cult of Christianity, you become Christ-like. You know what I'm saying? And, and certain Hebrew Israelites, uh, you, you become that particular person. That's why you'll see the nation of Islam is a cult. They all walk around and talk like Minister Louis Farrakhan. Am I just, is it just me? Am I tripping? They all sound the same. And, and they have, not they have a certain cadence to the way they talk. Same with no, I'll just say, like, and nobody ever challenges Go ahead. Uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan or Elijah Muhammad. Everything that they say is right and exact. You've never seen someone who was in the organization say, no, I disagree with this point, you know, with Minister Farrakhan or Elijah Muhammad. They'll never say that. Everything that they, he says is right and exact, which is why they go crazy if you talk about him, because they believe that he's some kind of divine you know, saying savior or not. Didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Okay. So, so that's a fact. That's how you know it's a cult when everybody starts to talk and act like that person that actually started the organization is bananas. And so that's, it took me one thought to realize that, man, that's, this is crazy. And I'm not willing to put my kids. I'm not, I couldn't trust that. I'm not doing it. So it was, it was easy for me to get out of that. And then, and then I ran into, and then I ran into, uh, science, basically. I ran into brothers like uh, Asar Hotep and um, just, you know, I had my own show, the Nikki Love and Unk show. We, I'm jamming, but I still, you know, you you, you know, pseudoism stay with you for a while. You don't just <laughs> you lose your pseudoism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. men study, we the, we the big wolves on the block. And this damn Asar was like, what? What do you need? Asar challenged every goddamn thing. 
I'm like, damn, I need him. He challenged. Okay. Sinjani, smart ass. He come out of nowhere talking about, you know, nigga ain't in the meta net. I was like, what? But he did it with <laughs> He did it very eloquently. Like, because he had me. Like, he like he had me by the throat. I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm on the show. You know, I'm God kill. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm big down on the bottom. Yeah, me and Steph, yeah, yeah. He was like, brother, um, that's not. And, and he showed compassion for me. He really did. Because at that point, I was cussing my head off. But Sinjetti actually showed me compassion in the moment where he had me. And and, and and I was like, I think this nigga got me. Let me take, let me take back the word nigga. I said, I think he got me. I said, you know when somebody starts throwing punches a certain way, he was like, man, I don't know if I can deal with that style. Let me let me see what he got to say. And, and, oh. and he for me. Yep. Right, right here. here. So, so right here, you said, I remember that conversation. From, yeah. You see my books don't fell apart. You know what I mean? They so, and how the word niggers was in the hieroglyphic dictionary. Like, let's read it. I was like, and I said, read. Go there. <laughs> so I said, all right, we're going, this this is volume one. Well, what's left of it, right? We'll find it words. So, so boom. I said, go to end. Pull your book out. Go to end. Go to right. end. And again, this is where I kind of learned from the wiping cat. Go to the book. Boom. Go to the page. Go to M, and it was spelled like N G E R. Yeah, N dash G E R. And yeah, right. and I looked at it. I mean, number one, I know one S is not a prefix in for, for plural in comedic, so that's out. Okay, two, the word nigger is not in the language. You got to go to Latin. In Greek for that, you have to go to Indo-European. That I already knew. So when you said it, I'm like, "Who the hell is he listening to?" Oh, <laughs> no, I can't. I can't let you, cause see, see, we, let me see, cause we we all know each other for over ten years. So this is probably like 2000. Yeah, that's not 2010 comes. I'm already ten years into studying matter nature by this point. <laughs> you know? So I was like, "Oh, you got to cut that out." So I broke the word down, you know, and he was like, Dang. Pause. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bro, I'm going to get you. But <laughs> so here's the thing that I learned. I'm not, and I won't be long on this. Yeah, because you cut me off. Yeah. yeah. But see, if you, if you break somebody down and you do not replace what you just destroyed, and you leave that person like that, that is irresponsible. And that's what I did as a Nawapian. You're debating, destroying somebody's reality, sense of reality, but then you're trying to convert them to take them to some, some something else instead of give, instead of rebuilding them properly. That is irresponsible. So in that 10 years, I realized I have to be responsible. So if I'm going to say this is incorrect i have to walk you through what is correct and give you the tools for yourself and not destroy you in the process you know? i like to yeah, destroy you, destroy. you leave you there yeah, yeah. He, well, why, let, me, let me finish my point this, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. so all right so now i got a saw he got the he got a show ain't nobody watching it like they won they weren't checking for it like that but it was definitely one of the most one of the most educational shows on Blog Talk. 
I suggest y'all go back and listen to dialogues. He had all the real took it all down now. Did they? Nah, you you crazy. I'm going to get I still get mine. You ain't doing it right. I'm gonna show you. You they ain't gone away, bro. So listen, so he got the real scholars on there, okay? And I got I got the the the, the we I'm saying during that time, yo, we were smashing blog talk. Like it was no, we, we was like the Sarnetta shit. Sarnetta used to come on our show. We beat him up. It was it was there, but 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 just like Asar's doing now, he had the super solid show. Simple scholars, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about over there like that? And I just would be amazed the way he did it, and I'd be amazed the way Sinjetti was doing it. And every time I would have a conversation to debate against the Hebrews, I start saying, Asar, you gonna be there? Yup. Sinjetti gonna be there? Yup. And, and we used to just beat up the religious community together, the Hebrews. That's when we were just killing the Hebrews. And I was like, man, let's let's just, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, then, you know, we formed a squad. And I picked the best people that I felt like that was during that time that was better than the shit that was on Sarnetta's bet. You know what I'm saying? The people that thought outside the complete box. So they was never thinking in that box, right? And so they kind of raised me to, they, they raised me to that, to that level of really understanding the the, the 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 what you would call the uh the the really knowing how to use the science how they was big on methodology so that's when I got the me the methodology like you know how I saw say how do you know what you know but go ahead no it's um I wanted to I wanted to read a few characteristics of a cult and I should say that I'm a do a part two to this, and I'm gonna try to get women who've been in some cults and to get their experiences. I'm I'm, a, I'm trying to find the sister, the, the the sister that got me into the Hebrew Israelites, because she has a unique story, and 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 I found it um, common within you know saying the groups in terms of you know the the Hebrew Israelite groups. As far as women, so I'm gonna I'm try to get some women together, and and we have this uh, particular um, conversation. But I'm 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 on there's a there's a website called cultresearch.org, and I read a few of these the last conversation. But I'm just gonna read a few now. I'm not gonna read all of the points, but it, it has some good characteristics, you know, on how you you know that you're in, you know, a modern day cult. And so, you know, it says one, the group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader. And whether he is alive or dead regards his belief system, ideology and practices as the truth, as law. Now, I, I mentioned the last conversation that one of the telltale characteristics of a cult is that they call their ideology the truth. <laughs> like, like everybody comes, like they always say, you know, like you know, I came into the truth, and you know, da, da 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 da. But they they don't have any kind of methodology that you know you can discern that this is the truth or not. They just automatically assume mm -hmm. that is that is the truth, and so that's one of those characteristics. So it's questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Facts. Um, the group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself, its leaders, and its members. The leader is considered a messiah 
a special being an avatar or the group and or the leader is on a special mission to save humanity. Yes. Like everybody else is lost except everybody <laughs> is born. Yeah. So you know, if you and a Hebrew Israelite, you know, that is the 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 quintessential essence um, uh, of, of, of the Hebrews. Uh, the group teaches or implies that it's supposedly exalted ends justify whatever means it deems necessary. This may result in members participating in behaviors or activities that would have considered uh, reprehensible or unethical before joining the group. Yes. For example, lying to family or friends, collecting money for bogus charities, etc. Uh, the leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and control members. Often this is done through peer pressure and subtle forms of persuasion. Mm. Um, let me skip down some. Uh, the group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. Always. I don't think that is necessarily characteristics of a cult. Because if you have an organization, it has to survive with new members. True, but, proselytizing. But yeah. Well, go ahead. Uh, members are expected to devote inordinate amounts of time to the group and group-related activities. Uh, they ask the question, how are people who left the group treated? What is said about them? Will the group give you names of people who left, both, the, both those who were satisfied and those who were not? And so in essence, you know, uh, when when someone leaves the group, are they ostracized for leaving the truth, uh, so to speak? Yep. And you know anybody can go to my my recent uh, YouTube conversation on why I left the Hebrews, right? Well, since when I left, it was over six hundred comments, and probably five hundred of those comments are Hebrew Israelites in their feelings. <laughs> Because I left the Hebrew Israelites, so that that should tell you something right there. Um, is more than one point of view presented? Are any other points of view recognized? Are other points of view seen as valid but different? Um, the group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which yep. may cause conflict with the wider society. The leader is not accountable to any authorities. Unlike, for example, teachers, military commanders, or ministers, priests, monks, and rabbis of mainstream religious denominations. Um, subservience to the leader or group requires members to cut ties with family and friends and radically alter their personal goals and activities they had before joining the group. Yep. <clears throat> And there's a whole bunch of other stuff here, but I'm not going to uh, read it all. But I just wanted to, you know, if you want to read the full thing, uh, it is it is cultresearch.org. And so just, just reading some of that, what is y'all y'all take on that? I'm sorry. I think I mean I I agree with it. You know, because it, it ends up being detrimental. And it's a way of mental entrapment, but it's, it's kind of like passive entrapment. So it's not aggressive, it's not out front, you know, with the intention. It's 
like I said, it's, it's in it's it's indirect, but it's passive entrapment. But you don't realize it until you get out of it, and you're like, "Damn, what the hell was I thinking?" Ah. And that, and and I went and I went through that, you know. So, you know, you have the one leader. You know, you don't question at all. Is is divine, but again, taking exact same teaching. Listen, really listening to Dr. York is actually what got me here because he said, You are a God. I believed him. And if I'm a God and I can do anything, I took that and here I am. Yeah, you you know what's deep though, Sanjetti? I'm gonna tell you something that's real. What I realize is people say, Well, um, you know, y'all being in the cult kind of helped y'all do what y'all do. What I realized is it would have been much better for us to get scientific scientific literacy out the gate. That's what I pass on to my babies. So right out the gate, they have scientific literacy, then they can view their religion, whatever they want to believe in through that lens. And I think we wasted a lot of damn time. A lot yeah. of time wasted. A lot of time wasted. So that's why, you know, we try to give uh, the scientific literacy that allow you to critique. First of all, um, right here, if you go to uh, I think is I don't know if this was this one you said uh, culteducation.com. That's what you said. Um, I saw. No, it's cultresearch.org. That's the okay. one I was reading from. All right, well, watch this right here. One of the things it says: absolute um, authoritarianism without meaningful accountability, no tolerance for questions and critical inquiry, no meaningful financial disclosures regarding budget expenses such as and independently audited by financial statements. So all these things occur in the cult, right? Uh, no, you, you, could, you can't ask critical questions, right? So I'm saying that for us, right, scientific literacy is a vaccine against all the charlatans. That's why I seem like, well, Unc, you banging on the elders or some jetty, y'all going against D.I.B.S. What are y'all doing? Because it's called critical thinking. It's simple as that. It's this is not a cult. Asar <laughs> is not a cult leader. Sinjadi's not a cult leader. Chuck's not a cult. The Amaral squad is not a cult. Two <laughs> pills is not a cult. My, it's not a cult. You know, we sit at the round table. You know, the halls of science, questioning. Right? We don't agree with everything everybody says. We're not the killing mockingbirds. There's no there's no one charismatic leader. No matter how you try to make somebody whatever you want, there's no, that's not just the one. You know, everybody had a skill set. And I think y'all seeing that now. So, man, be wary of a cult. Be wary of, I'm just going to say, it. Ali Muhammad, they got their little cult. Uh, young Pharaoh. See, young Pharaoh is, the young pseudo is dangerous, right? He's just starting how to learn to administrate his thing that he do. He's dangerous. I said that from day one. Dangerous. Dangerous. He's going to be the next call. Tariq Nasheed, all of them, all that, all that misinformation, all that right there, right? That's why I seem like that I'm always banging on everybody. I'm saying is if your organization does not have scientific literacy, you know what I'm saying, at the core of what you do, it can turn into a call very, very quickly. Financial statements, like how do you put a GoFundMe up Right? Imagine me having a GoFundMe. Watch this. I get ten thousand in the GoFundMe. 
I go buy, I go get the building I want to get, and I have an event in it, and then charge everybody money. That's the first sign of a damn cult. <laughs> why? Why there gotta be a cult and not just a a scam? Just a just an individual scam and scammer. Because that's that's cult and scam go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah which you described was a scam artist. Yeah, because yeah, he, he could be a scam artist and it not necessarily be tied to a cult. Right. Um and and, and I want to keep that. See, that's see, that's the thing that um why is my uh camera off? That's that's one of the things that I, I wanted to, you know, why I did the definition because it's a thin line between what is a cult and what is just a general organization or whatnot. But that's one of the reasons why I wanted to uh you know read off that stuff. And one I, I skipped was mind altering practices such <laughs> as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues. <laughs> Denunciation <laughs> sessions or debilitating work routines are used in excess and serve to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. In other words, like I get this all the time because y'all know, you know, I'm a um, uh, I'm a scientist, but I also practice EFA. And so I practice EFA for, you know, many personal reasons. And one of them is just a tradition. It's, 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 it's part of my ancestral tradition. So I want to be you know, in the mix. But, you know, I'll hear a lot of times, you know, when I when I question certain things that you got to you got to go to spirit and let the spirit, you know, what I'm saying come over you basically and and inform you. And I'm like. This is why I, I went into like a deep study on well, what is the spirit? And I come to find out that when you when you get into like these African languages for what a spirit is, is in, in many respects, in one context, it's just your thoughts. It's a way of thinking in terms of what a spirit is. And so, you know, they they have this other uh, idea of what it is, kind of this new age stuff, and then try to impose it on you. But in other words, they you it, instead of being able to think critically they try to discourage it you know and then of course we always get that well thinking critically in science is the white man's mm -hmm. stuff but then in the same breath that we talking about they stole all the arts and sciences from the african which one is it if they stole arts and science then they stole, you know, critical thinking, experimentation, and all of the other kind of stuff from the Africans, which means that the Africans were doing this stuff first. So you can't you can't switch it when you know the critical thinking of the science goes against your core teachings, you know. And so I don't I don't put nothing past nobody. I question everything, whether it's African or not. And I and I and I respect these these traditional things for what they are. And, and what they bring. And, and the study of this stuff has helped me to know what are their strengths and what are their limitations. Mm -hmm. And so we know that for people who, you know, are about self-development, wisdom attainment, and things of this nature, these can be very um, viable instruments and tools for the development of self-care, uh, 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 yeah, of good character and building community. But spirituality is not going to help you in a war against people with 
you know, great technology. <laughs> I know its limitations. It's, it, it has not proven itself in that aspect of history. And I got to respect, you know, and, and, and go with the evidence um, or whatnot. Um, that's, a great, that's a great point, Assault. Um, let me say this real quick. Um, so people often ask me, well, brother, um, you the real black atheist, atheist, the whole, whatever you want to say. How is it that you still, you, you, you would still big up African custom and tradition and religion and spirituality? And, and my answer is very simple. I, I don't have to believe in what my ancestors believe to respect their culture. Did you see that there is value in African culture or African spirituality or African religion, right? You just have to understand what the limitations are. So I understand the value in a Sanjeti practicing uh, Ifa or, or, or Brother Saul practicing Ifa. I understand the value in that. It's a close up, up, up close look at how Africans navigated through their world. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. And on the other hand, you can't get mad at me if I say, well, um, I just enjoy being an African-American. I find value in being an African-American. I find value in taking from African ancient cultures and bringing some of those things forward that make sense to me and what I want to do. Since I always, since I already understand that all of us on this platform really sit at the center of the cosmos and we're responsible for raising our children. So what you believe in or what the ancestors believed in, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't, how they say, what, what you eat don't make me poop? That's the reality of it. And people sometimes get that confused. I don't, I don't have to believe in, I, I got Sanjay or Wuja or Saul that'll break down what an African deity is. I can, I can listen to them and hear exactly what they're saying about that. And I can ponder, hmm, that's interesting. Some things I take, some things I won't. But they know not to fly through the air with it. But they're gonna give me a, a concise understanding of exactly what that particular word meant with a saw. Wujao hit you with uh, what they was trying to convey. Uh, Sanjadeo hit you with the meta nature. See, all people don't have these types of tools. So I can sit back and look at these brothers and say, "Yep." So sometimes when you hear me say something about an African deity, that's coming from that's coming from the way the average people would view it. When you listen to brothers that are super tight with what they talking about, it brings a whole new meaning to the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's the reality that I think that we continue to push to let people see what it is. Asad do it all the time. He just said what they he just hit you with it. He said, spirit really mean your thought. Now, now how many people gonna believe you with that? Asad, mm -hmm. nobody's gonna believe they're not even gonna listen to you with that. They go, you could you could do a Facebook post and say, you know how you do it. Start that argument. <laughs> well, uh, you brought up a point that I want to touch on. It's how do you reconcile being scientific and appearing religious? And I'm emphasizing appearing religious because people have different definitions and perceptions of what it means to be religious. So I don't necessarily consider myself religious. Um, I don't even, yeah, I don't think of it that way. But, you know, anyone knows me, you know, I have a medical background, and that's what I do as my profession. So I'm dealing with reality every day, uh, especially, you know, like with the coronavirus 
Uh, that's still still a pandemic, everybody. So still don't relax. Don't get relaxed. It's still a pandemic. People are still dying. I've 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 dealt. I deal with death. Um, not as much now as it did in those months. I got you, Chuck. Uh, from February going into like June, I dealt with a lot, and it didn't matter what you prayed to or what it didn't make a difference. What your religion was, it made no difference. I sat there and I watched people die right in front of my face, you know. Mm. Um, but we could, that's another. Um, where, where were you know, however, I'm dealing with medical reality, but keep in mind that life has meaning. So I'll get Wu John in the building. He won't come in. Yeah, that's uh, what we're okay. All right, go ahead, Sanjay. Yeah, so life has meaning, and yeah. the human mind operates off of association. So, i.e., what you call symbols. So, me dealing with Ifa or dealing with African tradition, the reason why I like to deal with African tradition, one of them is. For me, it's easier to see the evolution of human thought by engaging in African tradition. Because from there, you can launch out and you can see where things, to, where practices we get today and different human behaviors. And then you can trace, oh, I see why our ancestors did such and such type ritual to remember and commemorate certain events that helped them to survive. So they memorialize certain things, especially before you had writing or in, in cultures that was primarily oral tradition, they would, they would essentially preserve it through ritual and art. And this is one of the ways we can trace the evolution, because remember, evolution is very important. We see the evolution of human thought. So you can see evolution of religion if you want, but evolution is important. And when I do that, it gives me a sense of connectedness. Like I'm touching the past while utilizing it in the present, but using what is useful and what is practical because that's what your ancestors did at the time that they constructed rituals and certain practices because a culture has to do with the survival of the group and you maintaining certain behaviors, rituals, customs and mores and ethics to push the group forward for survival. So that has to do with relationships and by perceiving the universe as complementary pairs, if you will, as, as a philosophy. If you perceive other human beings like that, then you're more than likely to help that person prosper and survive. Thus, that person will help you prosper and survive. And that is one of the important things about African tradition, Bantu philosophy. We're looking in ancient Kim. These are things that are common. It is looking at the agency of other people that each person, as in Bantu philosophy, is a living son that has power, indwelling power that is shared among other human beings. Even if we go into Kemet, 
and you read the, the creation stories, it talks about how human beings are emanations from the deity Ra. We know that this is not literal, it's all symbolic. But that's a concept of consubstantiation, that you are made up of the same substance as the creator. But what does that mean in today's terms? When you go into astrophysics and even chemistry, you realize that the same elements that, that, that make up and compose the universe is the same elements that compose our bodies. And then from there, you, for me, even people like Neil Tyson DeGrasse, you feel a connection because you share elements and characteristics and properties with other things in the universe. And then that sounds remarkably like African philosophy. I just think Where, you're just trying to get back into the cult. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so, trying to ease his way back in. Uh, so I see. <laughs> that is funny. That's, you know, for me. Look, I see. You. All right. But you dealing, but you still want to deal in reality and look at things as they are. You know, you will look at this is symbolic and not say, oh, this is a total reality. Symbols are symbols and treat them as such. Don't take it, don't take it overboard. Wuja, hotel, brother. Can't hear you, bro. Check your volume. Check your wire. Man, I'm telling you, it's this day on stream, y'all, yo. <laughs> Stream y'all don't like the squad. Don't like it. I'm telling you. Oh, mm. uh, Wuja, look. Um, what you may need to do is go out and come right back in. There we go. Okay. okay. Oh, there you have it. You got it. I had to. I had to um, call on the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, and we got checked. This is a teaching moment. So, yes, you did call on the spirit in order to figure that out. But let me tell you how. Because the word spirit has a hold on out before you shake your head. The word spirit has the same etymological root as the word psyche. It's yep. the same etymological root. All right. So, yep. psyche has to do with mind. So, Wu Zhao used his mind. Because, in more context, Spirit just means mental, as a connotated, connotatively speaking. I'm yeah, glad you said it. I'm glad you said it, not me. I would have got hated, but that's good. <laughs> and I told both of y'all, y'all out of y'all mind. Y'all know daggone. <laughs> y'all know goodness well. If 99.99 percent of people walking around here. Don't think of it like that. And, and you know what? That's the prime example that I was talking about. Now I can sit back and hear conversation and say, hmm, that's interesting. But the problem with that conversation, the problem with what y'all just say, ain't nobody listening to that, yo. You know, I dare you, I dare one of y'all make a Facebook post. I dare you. Oh, I already did it. <laughs> I already did it. Spiritual. Wow. Uh, spiritual psyche, you know, psyche, all that, the soul, spirit and soul. Now you're right. I mean, I mean, it, it goes, it goes all over the place. Cause I, I always start off to solicit genuine, 
um, thoughts. So I so I kind of leave the question vague, and then I then I I narrow it I narrow it down. But hey, I want to say peace to y'all. You know, um, I I was listening um, in the car. I was listening coming in. You know, I know I'm late to the party. I know y'all have been on already. So, um, so uh, I'm a, uh, do you like the parties, man? You got to rewind it now. <laughs> if I can, I just want to add something because I was listening in the car and I and I couldn't call in or anything. I want to add something that I didn't hear you all say about the cult thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, real quick, Wuja, before you go, because yeah. I know you're gonna go look. Hey man, black lives always matter, y'all. Remember that. Black lives always matter. Man, space age Africans. Go ahead, Wuja. I know I won't be able to get it in for another hour. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I'm I'm gonna have to lose that uh stigma. But no, I just wanted to say that with a lot of cults, what I see is that the cult membership, the members, they have to believe that the cult leader is who he or she says he is. Because once you once you can dismantle that part, a lot of times the whole thing falls. And and specifically, I know with the Nuabian cult, you all were talking about that is absolutely one hundred percent true. Is that in order to be a member, you have to believe that Dr. York is who he says he is, everything he says he is. Because the moment that you don't, like you will not find a member that don't believe that he is who he is. Uh, who he says he is and so once that goes away or if, or or if that could be taken away then the whole the whole structure uh collapses and i you know i didn't hear you all say that y'all may have said that um knowing chuck he probably already said that but i just wanted to make sure that that was that was actually said because i think that's true for a lot of different cults um that you all were talking about yeah i i i pretty much agree and you know, part of the 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 challenge again, there's there's always some kind of relationship to a, a spirit being, you know, whether it's someone in the past, a great ancestor, you know, like I'm, I'm finding that is is common. And so the question then becomes, uh, how how do you? I mean. For those of us who have a background in science, it's, it's easy. But for the general public, how do you prove that they are, in fact, one or have that relationship with the divine? So as Chuck mentioned earlier, um, I don't know who who did who was Dr. York supposed to be uh, and relate or got this message messages through. OK, <clears throat> according to him, he had uh, initially back in the uh, early 80s. He has claimed to have had um, seven different beings speaking, oh, eight different beings speaking through him. Uh, and then as the years went by, he added a few more, even down to 95, <laughs> he added Noble Drew Ali, Clarence 13X, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. These, he being an avatar, he was just the vessel and they had he they performed what what he referred to as walk-ins. So when he's teaching, you hear his voice, but that's the message coming from them from the other side. Mm -hmm. So he had all these different beings speaking through him, including Zolza. Zolza was mm -hmm. one of the elders that spoke through him, as well as Jesus Christ. Hmm. 
I see. So I know, like, with the, as I stated earlier, with the Hebrew Israelites, they were, in fact, the uh, incarnations of the 12 disciples. So, you know, of course, they're getting a direct uh, command from from um, from Jesus or Yahweh Shai. So, you know, uh, and then, of course, Elijah Muhammad, who allegedly has the, the relationship with, you know, uh, God in the form of what's his name? Um, Muhammad. Y'all know the name. Uh, Far Muhammad or uh, not Far Muhammad? What is it? Yeah, Master Farad uh, Muhammad. Yeah, Master Farad Muhammad. Um, and so you see this this commonality. Someone's background is very noisy. <laughs> that is, that sounds like Unk. Unk only stays in loud background. <laughs> Faces. Uh, so, you know, and so, you know, part of dismantling the, you know, the, the cult leader, you know, for me is, you know, demonstrating that it's impossible for them to have this particular relationship. And this is why I don't like, you know, religions in general that claim to to have some kind of uh, knowledge and wisdom from some kind of spirit or, you know, God directly. And I'm like, if God is the one that created the universe, right? Said, let there be light and there was light and did all of this other kind of stuff. It should be able to speak on its own behalf. It doesn't need an interlude. Uh, Kuta, whatever, however you say it. And, um, you know, we don't have to go through these flawed men and women to get the direct information. So one of the things that I, you know, always talk about to the to the Hebrew Israelites, I'm like, you know, we, we know that the Bible and all of this other kind of stuff has been tampered with. But God, and I'm putting in quotes here, God of the Bible has proven to us that he can write. Because did he not use his own hand to write the commandments for Moses? So if God can write, as the Bible says, he should have been able to just write the Bible and there would be no contradictions and none of that. But God in these particular religious can't do anything on its own. It always needs human beings to do the work for him. And that should be a, a, a critical sign that something is, is off in terms of their interpretations. So how do you address and and deal with the issue of going by what Wujawu said, that the uh, that they have to be who they say they are, but then how do you challenge the spiritual? Because they're the ones that are chosen. You know, so how, how do you how do you deal with that chosenness? Because obviously you're not chosen because you didn't get the message. So you, <laughs> how, how are you going to challenge that that person, the divine messenger, when 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 you aren't special <laughs> enough to get the message yourself? Well, for one thing, a lot of the teachings that York was coming through, coming with, a lot of his um, whoever these beings were, they kept contradicting each other. <laughs> because if, if they were all on one accord, at least as far as having precise 
accurate information that is being delivered through this body, they were giving him misinformation. Because when you started to probe and analyze and scrutinize and criticize his teachings, that's when you discover he can't be who he say he is. <laughs> but see, yeah. never there was never a time, like I'll give you an example. Um, your claim to be in touch with three, well, eight per different personalities, but three would come more often than the others. And it was Alamar, mm -hmm. Saat, and Krill. Remember those three, uh, Chuck? Alamar, Saat. Those Sott were the ones that visited him when he was a kid. Right. And it, and periodically throughout his life. Yeah. So no, at no time did anyone else also claim to speak to these three, except a few times. And when that occurred, which is rare, then that person was was considered and, uh, you know, a nutcase, an outcast. And and it wasn't true because they oh. they only go through one particular person. Hold on. Wait, wait. So wait, wait. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so your claim to be a unique occurrence, his birth and himself was a unique occurrence that only happens every 25,000 years. So that, that shut everybody else out. Like he, he, he gave himself enough room for 25,000 years room to be the uniqueness within, you know, our time frame here now. You know, only one occurs every twenty five thousand years. And so that it was him. He was he was the one that his chest was open. These beings at a young age prepared him. And then when he became of age, he went through initiation. He was talking to this other being. But then he realized he talked. He, sp he was speaking to himself the whole time. His whole story is, is documented within the Holy Tablets where he talks about that part. But I just wanted to add to add that point that to, to you, what you were asking, Asar, is when the divine or connection to the spirit or whatever source that they that they're claiming to be of when that is questioned it's you're you're it's demonized you're you're made to feel nuts crazy or whatever the case is at least by others and so a lot of a lot of these organizations like that they use the cushion of the membership to do that it's not necessarily the actual leader but it's the other members that were actually do these kinds of things because of how it's structured. I just wanted to make sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Anybody else want to add? Well, hold on. Before, before, before I do that, uh, because we had uh, everyone ask, uh, excuse me, we had everyone answer this question. Um, and so you're going to have to give us the condensed version. So why did you join the, the uh, New Wapians and why did you leave? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, to, to Brother Ujawi. Oh, man. I don't know if I could be condensed. Uh, right. Of course not. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you the cliff note on, uh, on the entry. Um, okay. Uh, I came. Well, okay. Let me just sum it up. What attracted me to it was, okay, first of all, let me say this. I think Chuck already said this, that the organization is really a, an amalgamation of, of different organizations. Well, not, I can't say that. Transform, you know, um, that, that, was, that was called like schools of thought. So when I came, 
upon it, I came into it, it was in a transition phase from the Ansar to Allah community, Nubians, Islamic Hebrews, into this, um, this kind of uh, limbo state. And so when I came, I was, um, you know, long story short, there's a lot to it, but long story short, I, I was introduced to a book that was written by, um, what was, what was it going? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a newbie Rakata, okay? But then I also got books where it was written by Elimam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. And then I also got books that was written by Yahshua by al-Hadi. So I had three, I, had, I mean, not three books, but I had books that was written by three, in my mind, I thought they were three different people. Because I, I never met them at the time or anything like that. I thought this were three authors. I was like, man, this organization got some sharp scholarship, you know, some sharp authors. Like, I'm like, man, you got this one, this one, this one, you know. So, so I like, so at the time of the transition, he was, he had turned his focus on Islam and was questioning Islam with the 360 questions to ask the Orthodox Sunni Muslim. So I saw that. I was like, man, I like that because he was asking critical questions to the religion. Then there also 360 questions asked the Hebrew Israelite and uh, Christians. I, you know, and I'm being brief because it's like some time frame. But anyway, what attracted me to it was the the non-religious aspect of it, you know, to question religion, the, the, the whole thought of question, question, question religion. And so that's what attract that's what actually um, tr attracted me to it. At first, and then once I got attracted to it, I found out the, um, you know, at least on paper, the goals and the mission to raise, you know, to raise a group of people to do for self, be of, by, and for yourself, to to um, instill pride, to raise the uh, the youth, and things like that. Have your own flag, have your own language, have your own land, and you know all this other kind of stuff. So those are ideals that that anybody would aspire to belong to. So. That's what really attracted me um, to it in, in, a, in a very, very short nutshell. All right. Now, so, yeah. um, so well, here's the question. Uh, when, when everyone left, did you feel compelled to join another religious organization or did you stop you know dealing with religious organizations you know altogether at that time um you know if you did and if if not did you did you did you join some other kind of religious organization at some later point in history in terms of your timeline this is me all of us this, this is all of you, but you can start off. Okay. Um, well, when I left, I had no intention, even even now, I, I, I have and had no intention of joining another um, organization of any remote similitude uh, at all. So I had no yearning, no, 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 nothing uh, as, as, you know, as far as that goes at all. So um, as far as another organization, religious organization, no, not at all. Not me. Uh, Chuck, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, it was like this because see, I feel like I went completely in a circle because I wasn't <laughs> a 
practicing religious person. I always was a, I just like to question everything. And why this? Oh, he's dead. Why? Because, well, why? I just kept going on and on and on until it just got ridiculous. So I had to learn to stop probing the, and questioning because I, at some point, are you going to accept, you know, that kind of thing. So at this point, see, after after all it was done, I mean, you know, I've, I've been the happiest in my life now than I think I've ever been since, you know, since I was a kid, of course. I mean, you know, I feel like my mind is free. I have access to things beyond I, my imagination I could have had, you know. Um, I have friends. I mean, I, I feel so international, you know. I'm studying languages, you know, and and it's, it's so much that we see that Sumerian in the background. Oh yeah, I had a class earlier. All right. There's so much that. Um, what does I, it say? I've benefited from as a result of leaving it. I mean, and it's even weird because I didn't actually just walk up and leave because, as as Darwin know, you know, I, I listen. My situation was just a little unique because the one of the things that was was pretty much mandatory as far as the organization was concerned, you had to move in to the community. If you didn't move in, you wasn't considered fully in or a part of it or about it. Yeah. So some when like well, Joe, you you went down and you lived on the, on the property. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing. Um, let me just cut in real quick. I want to, cause I, cause, cause a part, real quick, cause a part of me. Yeah, no, yo, how'd you do that? No, that no, real quick. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just gonna cut in real quick because my, my entrance into it, it follows suit with what I was saying and what, what you're doing, Chuck. No, because I, I actually moved on the land with Jock York and everybody else from, from the inside. So, so my, my, um, entrance into it was to, was to. Not sit on the sidelines and be a spectator and an observer. I wanted to be in the middle of of making stuff happen. So, so what I saw as a as a goal on paper and a mission on paper, I wanted to be. I wanted to um, execute that and be make sure that that was being done. So I so you know I moved, did what I had to do to move right there in the center of everything and make it happen. You know, um, started the farm on the land. We had 476 acres of land. Lived there from 1997 all the way up until 2004. That's how long I lived there. You know, we were developing all this kind of stuff. Never, it was never about the religious or the or the so-called quote-unquote spiritual aspect for most of us that lived on the land, because it's it's like a reverse thing. Just real quick, it's like a reverse thing. The closer you get, the less the less religious or or as they would say, spooky you are. Because mm -hmm. you you actually see things unfold. You see you see how the buildings was erected. We're actually we're actually building the stuff. You know, um, people are coming to the land, visiting, performing rituals in buildings and in 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 monuments that we built, and that you know, like here I am climbing the wall to a, to a, to what outsiders see as a sacred ceremony. I'm climbing the wall to turn the lights on, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm walking into the Black Pyramid. Nobody nobody's ever been in there, you know, from the outside. But I'm walking in to turn lights on and flick the uh, circuit breakers and stuff like that. Walk out, climb the climb the wall, and they're up there, having their arms up and praying and stuff. And I'm just climbing the wall, you know. 
it was it was totally different experience there. So I just wanted to um kind of follow up with that. That's that's so, how I most of it. You so that means that you were there when I was there. We just didn't cross paths. That's, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I was down on the land about three times. Yeah, three times. Oh, that's it. Well, you missed it. Why? Yeah. I seen so you. Yeah, that time. You, just never, you know. Yeah. Well, you probably you know, see me. I was I, I was probably like 50, uh, 40 pounds lighter, skinnier than I. You know, <laughs> yes, you were. You know, you probably, you probably saw me. You, <laughs> me. you know, because see, I, I was in charge of uh, audio visual um, as far as my as far as what people would see me do. Uh, the studio, the farm and all that other kind of stuff. So so anytime there was an event, the stage, the mics, the lighting, everything, the, the booth, I was always in the booth. So the DJ, you know, the booth behind the scenes. So the yeah. stage the hill the, on the beach. Yeah, you know, the, the black stage, I think it was like black or something. Yeah, both, both. It was up the hill and and on the uh, beach right next to the pyramid. I was I was there, you know. Yeah. So you probably just didn't. 1990, yeah, 98, 99, and 2000. Three years oh, old. Definitely, yeah, definitely. You, you, yeah, I was there. You probably. I still got, still got the, the physical photos. Yeah, I was behind the scenes. I, you know, I wasn't about. You know, being in front, but yeah. Hey, look, one of the funniest things I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna run. The funniest thing was, um, it was myself and a guy named Jonathan Johnson. We we were I was running a store in Baltimore, so York had uh, asked us to come down and get raised in this uh, the Wapian Grand Lodge thing. So we were the only two brothers from up north at the time. <clears throat> so one of the funny thing was that we had to get all three of our degrees that one night. So we literally had to go to Solomon's temple and go through the, the inner apprentice fellow, uh, fellow craft and then the master masons degree. The funny thing was now with Jaru, you was there and I remember him because I was blindfolded, but I saw him in there. Well, you, can't tell, you going, can't tell us secrets now. <laughs> if the secrets be busted. Goddamn. <laughs> And this dude, man, it was funny because, like, the other guys, you know, they, they was hazing you and they hitting you and all this other stuff. And I, I heard him, and when John was over there pinching me, <laughs> it too was pinching me. <laughs> so he was so skinny. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. Even, even, even though, because I could still see, because I had pulled my, my, um, my fold down a little bit, I could see what was going on. But it was, I was cheating. You know, but, but but for the for the record, yeah. Hazen, I, I don't know what Chuck is talking about. Hazen, I don't, I don't know what that was. I don't know what he's talking about. He was, he was, I don't know what he means by Hazen. I, I know I know nothing about that. He done lost his mind. He done drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh, come so brother, um, yes. Did you did did you I already know the answer, but just for record's sake, did you uh jump to another religious organization afterwards? Hell no, man, hell no. Me, me Seti, <laughs> talking shit on the radio, man. I say the hell with all that nonsense. I'm gonna do something where I, you know what I mean? Well, I can control the goddamn narrative on that one. So no, nah, mm -hmm. it, it just primed me 
to, it made me really want to teach, man, and give and give people a way of getting the real truth. And and as I, you know, as I did my shows and as I came in contact with more people, right, uh, you know what I'm saying? I, it just showed me how to really teach people. And so, you know, it's just having an open mind. I suggest everybody, um, you know, just have an open mind in your development as an African person. And, you know, you, you're going to get the right information. You just got to work. It's work, though. There ain't no spooky to it. A lot of reading, writing, studying. And just have an open mind, man. Is you know I, I keep open mind. Sometimes I'm just not gonna listen to that type of shit. You know, Sinjadi are trying to get you though. Sinjadi be trying to get me. <laughs> I don't let you get me, Sinjadi. No, Wuja, you be trying to get me too. Wuja's trying to start a metanetrico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got the code of metanetrico. He got experience with the new Wapians, and now he's starting to. Uh, and, and the oh. secret leader is Dr. Raketti. Yeah. No, but speak, speaking of that, I was um I was one of the first teachers of Nuwapik. Yeah. Uh in DC. They were there before the books came out, you know, they they were sending me the lessons and I was um synthesizing them and and everything and actually teaching in DC uh in the DC uh Tabernacle uh Nuwapik before it came out. So the whole thing about Nuwapik being the ancient Egyptian mystery language you know, that's, there's a play there where, you know, I think y'all mentioned earlier that the, the organization had a, another branch called the Ancient Egyptian Order. I think Sanjeti mentioned it. The Ancient Egyptian Order. So Nuwapik was the official language of it. But what, but what the general public took it as is that Nuwapik is the Ancient Egyptian, meaning Kemet, uh, mystery language. And, and so that was allowed to... to um, be believed and now so even to this day you have uh, new members who believe that 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 is ancient egyptian and that but it, it really wasn't not at all i still got a dictionary that was that was you know when he wasn't even published this thick uh dictionary i don't even i don't have it with me but i don't think it was ever published I'm not sure dictionary yeah this is probably worth a million dollars right now huh you ain't lying, boy. I don't know why you don't put that out. Put a name on that joint. Malachi, you don't mm -hmm. get money. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they change it up. So, you know, once once I left the Nawapin community, I vowed I would never, ever follow up under one man. <laughs> you know, never do it. You know, no matter what organization I, I'm a part of, it's always more so partnership etc mm -hmm. that's how i've i've seen it. like today i am a member of the simple man you know but it's not it's not like it's not cultish which is why you know i appreciate it you know it's family oriented african-centered etc you know it has leadership but it's not a thing where oh you listen to him and then that's law it's, it's never that because the second I see something like that, I'm like, ah, look, I'm good. <laughs> you know. No um, so you know, I have I have a Baba Lawo, you know, I'm part of an Ile. And from my perspective, it's not a thing where, oh, just listen to what he says and that's it. So I've never had that experience, nor do I know anyone in my Ile that has that experience. So, you know, that's that's where I'm at with it. But as far as following a man and thinking, oh, he has a monopoly, he or she, 
has a monopoly on knowledge? Never, because I have my own mind, you know, and I'm free to challenge. And in my, in my experience with, even with my temple, you know, I've challenged, you know, the leader of the temple and there's no issue. You know, we're, 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 we're men, we see here. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, everybody's cordial. Same thing with my babalawa, you know, we see here. You know, it could just be my personality. I don't know. But, you know, I'll never follow a man again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We can, we, can, we can work together. We can talk and dialogue and plans. And, but, you know, me, like, bound down to you. Nah. Bound down in the sense of just submitting my, my whole mind to whatever. Now, now, gestures, you know, out of respect to elders, et cetera, I don't have a problem with it. Because I don't have that type of insecurity. Mm. Because I can bow and then get up and still stand up as a man on my own two feet. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I ain't never do that though. Nah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting um, a question you brought up, Asar. Because I had um, someone sent me sent me a video, and I because okay, you you know the whole story with uh, what's it, Nature Boy, right? Mm. They they huh? What? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. I, I, yeah. I have fragments. I don't know the whole story, but go ahead. Well, anyway, they came out here for a short time and then they had to um, leave. And um, there's a, a sister that left that left that group, um, the whole Nature Boy, or whatever they call themselves. They left. She left them, and I looked at this video, and lo and behold. I see this sister transformed herself. She's got a haircut short, one long braid on the side, and Prince York is behind her. And she's talking about the cult of Nature Boy. And this guy, <laughs> Dr. York, one of the Dr. York sons is, oh man, it never ends. It never ends, bro. But that, you know, so like, I guess the, the the next question for the group is, you know, in what ways uh, you know, I guess it would be contradictory of me saying that I think everybody should belong to a cult at least once in their life, but how in general, outside of me just being uh, the devil's advocate, how do we prevent more of us from joining such organizations and, and skipping that experience um, and just getting directly to the, the critical thinking and culture and stuff to this nature without having to go through the psychological abuses, the, the, the shame, the just the whole cult behavior and and all of that like you know what what could be done on a larger scale that would you know uh put a dent in that market so to speak i think we said it hold on let me get that first let me just get that first i'm gonna be sure oh i'm I gonna think, be leaving in a minute <clears throat> i don't believe you. that's the wuja movement i ain't listening no no, no i'm about to leave i gotta make sure yeah i'm gonna leave in a second you leave in the middle okay. of a second. Go ahead. Let me say this. I, I think 
teaching people, giving them the foundation of scientific literacy, that is actually the vaccine right there. And I think what we're doing is, is actually putting a dent in it. You can really see it. You, you, you can see people actually stand up against pseudoisms, misinformation. Uh, you can hear people actually expounded on a better methodology. Remember when we started this journey, right? I'm talking about like from the blog talk shows I saw, um, <clears throat> you, you, nobody had to have sources and references. Now it's about sources and references. Now they might not, they might do that wrong, but at least remember you can stand in front of a group of people and give a whole lecture and I'll give one source. See, that's not, that's not acceptable anymore. So I think we've actually, you know, I'm raw squad, all the families. The truth is, man, if you sit back one day and look at it, we've actually raised the bar. And I think we're doing our job. Now is just time to, you know, put together a nice fe full feature or something like that um, and keep writing the books. Uh, Kofi Pasai Research Team, they got about three books out, two children books out. And you can just see the legacy moving forward. And so, you know, sometimes you, while you're in it, you don't see it. Right. But 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 I'm saying I, I like to step outside of what we do. And I'm saying, man, you know, uh, the, the battle has not been lost. And and, and, and and based off the works of your brothers and sisters. Right. The books, the, the, the lectures, the conversation. Man, I think we actually put a dent in it, bro. Like you can't just say anything. You know, people, the word pseudo. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, you got the. So I think we put it. We, we actually helped our community grow. Yeah, man. Yeah, actually, we did that. So I think just keep doing what we're doing better. So. Keep thinking critical. Got to yeah. be critical in thinking. You have to you gotta ask questions. You got to probe. When you see signs of that stuff coming around, better step away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. uh, continue. All right. Whoever, whoever, uh, hold on. Chuck, did you, did you say what you're going to say? Yeah. yeah, I know you said you had to leave. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say uh, I appreciate you coming on. Mm -hmm. I appreciate um, you coming on. Oh, this is my first time being around everybody at one time. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, in the Rock Squad. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you, thank you again. You know, for coming on and sharing your um, uh, your your testimony, so to speak, for the church folk. <laughs> Um, and, um, you know, and I, and I know you got to go to work and things, but just, just wanted to say thank you. And we'll, we'll, I'll probably invite you on for some Sumerian stuff, uh, in, in the, in the near future. All right. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sanjay or. Yeah. Hi, everybody. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to talk. I'm going to call you on with y'all. All right, Chuck. All right, up, Sinjani. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. All right. Peace. All right. Uh, so, Sanjani or Ujawu, if y'all want to respond to the question. Okay. Well, Ujawu. Okay. Um, I got two, two answers. Um, one, I believe that everybody is not going to get it. And by it, I'm keeping it like vague, you know, the it. Um, everybody's just not going to get it. Um, for those who who are able to get it, I think that we need to focus on the skill of discernment, um, the ability to discern. And everything 
that comes with that, we have to really, really um, like go hard on that to 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 uh, um, teach people or share information that will give people the ability to to discern um, and follow evidence. That's it in a nutshell. You know, it's a lot that comes with that. But I think that and then two for the other people, like I said, who will not get it. And it's just something that I I've personally just accepted that we have to really push people who are who are going to step to the forefront and be and be a leader or be a teacher. We have to kind of make sure that those kinds of people have good character and and um, are honest because people are going to count on them and lean on them, by, you know, just by their nature. This is this is what happens. So so if we can't get to the people, then we have to get to the, the person that's going to put themselves out front and kind of really, really um, push that push for more honest, honest people, people that's that's going to be uh, have good character and honest with their their teaching, their scholarship and also keep it to the point where it's not everything that you describe, you know, in terms of a cult leader and stuff like that. So that's the two things that I would see, you know, in a nutshell. Um, you know, I would say, you know, from an early age, teach them, you know, how to think logically, you know, about things, again, that's that critical thinking, teach them, you know, history and timelines, because, you know, the things that we were learning through the Nwapian camp, it, it's contradictory to timelines. So you want to be able to equip people to see the red flags early. And, you know, on first encounter, you should be able to see those red flags. You know, so, you know, I'd say that that would be pretty much my part. You know, I think uh, everyone else pretty much summed it up. You know, and, and have good supporting relationships with people who are going to help you to see things that you might not see around you. Mm. See, so that they, you know, they can help you. You know, have a good relationship. Some, some oh. people are like out there on their own. But yeah, go ahead. A third thing, just thought of. Um, we need more people to kind of act act as proxies for for people who are who are new. And by that I mean um, people that are stepping up and doing critical thinking uh, to question information, to to uh, question it respectfully. You know, question it so that so that an onlooker can see um the question and they can see how it's answered and the demonstration in support for that answer because some people may not know how to do it so if they watch other people do it then that's another way that they can actually um discern you know they could discern um better that way um someone asked the question what does Ujawa mean the name Ujawa. it means he who is prosperous or whole it's from the it's from the word that familiar word that everybody use when they say unk uja seneb that middle word uja is really wuja they don't people don't pronounce the w wuja but wuja wuja u is a stative so i'm in a state of of prosperity so he who is prosperous in a state of prosperity in a nutshell all right now um this last part reminds me of the, I'm working on um, a presentation, well, two presentations actually. One um, dealing with the Bible and well, just the Abrahamic religions in general uh, and how they foster an anti-intellectualism. 
mm-hmm. and and why this is a problem with trying to move forward and to lessen the blow of cults, um, so to speak, because you have these these organizations and these in these religious systems that have built into the traditions anti-intellectualism and and so they see the the very nature of experimentation and questioning as essentially a sin you know and and, uh antithetical to the 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 tradition itself and so that's going to be a hurdle that you know a lot of us are going to face is just the simple fact that that you know being able to think is is not you know, uh, a, a virtue. It's not like in ancient Kemet where being able to think was a, a high value. It, you know, in, in these traditions, it is the exact opposite. And the second um, presentation that I'm going to do is on my biological hypothesis on why uh, critical thinking is not as prominent amongst homo sapiens sapiens in general that there's, there's, I have a physics answer, you know, for that. And so I, I would love to, you know, hear the, the feedback from the community once I, you know, bring that to the, uh, to the forefront. And so if, if my hypothesis is correct, then, you know, we have an uphill battle trying to fight some, some laws and principles of physics when, when it comes to these, to this thing. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. I want to get to this question. This will be the last question. Well, hold then, on real quick, real, real quick, real quick, Asal. Let me say this. So, so actually, Homo sapiens sapiens, we got a stone age brain, basically. And you know, it's, de- mm-hmm. it's designed to believe. And so yeah. believe, believing is natural. So that's the real fight. And so all of us, uh, to certain degrees, have um, fought against belief. And that's 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 the real battle, right? Because what you believe, you know, you, you think is true. So that's what we, and charlatans, they actually and religion that they, they actually co-opt that. So they are actually co-opting something that's natural to the Homo sapiens sapien because that was part of the biological evolutionary process to believe everything, so that you don't miss nothing, right? Yeah. And so that's the real fight. But go ahead, go ahead, so. well. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say that um, I think it's a lack of maturation because we start off in a state of belief, but the finish line was is not intended to be that. the the started The starting gun is is belief. The finish line is supposed to be knowledge, and so it's a maturation process that takes place that I think that we are not focused on. That cultivated. That's cultivated in the culture to actually cultivate that in human beings and in, in, in us. And I think some population groups honed in on it, such as Kemet, like you said, Asar, where critical thinking was a high value. They honed in on that mature, that maturing process. They know that you start off in, in a state of belief, but you're not supposed to end up there for any particular um, topic. That's why they had, they had so much, so many words in the language that 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 you know you get under you dig down you you learn you do this you do that even in the language <laughs> under. um so that, that's that's what i wanted to say and then to asar um i know you're gonna have to include this 
because when you said what you said your first presentation what brought to mind is in the bible genesis 3 god that god doesn't like intelligence doesn't like knowledge because he actually is the it's the state is the uh, serpent that flip that, that actually is promoting knowledge and to know and god is like look you could do everything but just don't know and then you know so he got a monkey wrench thrown in with the serpent situation so that's the first book of the bible so right at the beginning it's anti-intellectual anti-knowledge so yeah yeah, yes. Yeah. He created human beings to be dumb cattle, and when when they hacked the system, when they hacked the matrix, this <laughs> became a problem. You know, saying for for the God of the Bible, and and so, but the the what to to kind of add on to what Uncle's saying, what 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 the angle that I'm gonna be coming from again is coming from physics. And it's a principle in physics called the principle of least action, which essentially says that nature is lazy, that it wants to optimize its energy output. So, for example, like there's a reason why when you toss a ball in, in up in the air that it goes straight for the most part. Then it kind of curves because of gravity and some other kind of stuff. But essentially... It does this. So we ask, ask the question, why when we throw it up, it doesn't go like this or it doesn't make a curly move because it would you would have to pump in too much uh, uh, some extra energy in the system to do that. It does. It, it wants to do the least. So the least action would be for the ball to simply go straight. And you find this principle in all things in nature. And it's one of the reasons why, for example, if we if we bring this to human behavior, why most of us don't work out for long periods of time? Why don't most of us like to study and read for long periods of time? Because we don't want to put in that in that's too much work. So you notice the people who who become wealthy and, and become the the masters of what they do, these are the people who put in this extra work. To become, you know, these 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 high value um, individuals, and so to to go back to what Uncle was saying when he's talking about like a Stone Age, you know, mindset, we evolve not to think critically, to reduce the amount of work that our brains have to do, and we have to, you know, kind of um, conjure up the will to go beyond what are the, the limits that our natural brain, you know, saying wants to stay at, you know, if we go into like a David Goggins, uh, you know, mindset, and, and he's always talking about, you know, that you're only operating at like 40% of your potential that you got to kind of push and go beyond that to do those extra feats. And, and that's how it is for us just critically thinking why it's so hard for us to do math in science and stuff to this nature, because you have to put in more work. And so we gotta basically create an intellectual workout program, you know, to kind of counter, you know, a lot of this of what we're seeing, you know? And so it's getting people to not be lazy and not be afraid to put in that extra work, you know, and to let your head hurt for a little bit and, and right. do those exercises. That's why I say a P90X for the for the brain for the mind. 
Exactly. Yeah. But um, where was this question? So, and also, microwave, like, what, like what we coined uh, or what has been coined as microwave scholarship is a direct result of, of exactly. that. You know, yeah. water, water, you know, the way I, the way, the way I hear it, you know, in terms of a, of a, of a saying, they say, uh, water seeks the path of least resistance. Exactly. And, it's and the that, principle of least action. Yeah. And so that's, that's how, you know, by nature, that's what we default to. Yeah. Exactly. So we're, we're fighting, we're fighting physics, you know, um, you know, dealing with the, with, with the human groups. So this is going to be a question coming from the, the, the chat. And it's coming from Mr. Morpheus. He says, uh, are we more divided, uh, not part of these cults? Was there more unification in them? Great question. Uh, My response is no. Well, it depends if you, on, on what aspect of history you're talking about. Now, if we were back in the day and, you know, you're, you belong to your culture and your village and your community and everybody had the same you know, uh, religious practices and stuff of this nature, then it could be a unifying thing. That's the whole purpose of one of the purposes of religion to unify a people. But we find ourselves in a different circumstance where we have more people that belong to the group. I forgot how many millions of African-Americans there are, for example, we're spread out through different cities across the United States, which is a larger territory than any of us ever, you know, lived in, in, in terms of belong to one, even on the continent of Africa. And there's a whole bunch of ideologies and religions from across the world that exist in, 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 in this particular space. And so it, the, and they're competing with each other and they're competing for souls and memberships. So because they're competing and trying to win souls and members to their organizations, for me, the very nature of these organizations made it divisive, you know, and, and I'm, I'm speaking in this sense in terms of the, the, the Abrahamic religions that are proselytizing religions. Mm -hmm. And so they have it in their mentality that their point of view is the, the right and correct point of view. And they're going around trying to proselytize and purposely separate. Unlike in a pan-Africanist, you know, worldview and just in an African spiritual tradition, everything is unified. Like there's no, there's no, there's no need to, to proselytize and be anti. Matter of fact, they are encouraging of you to learn from other traditions. And so it is only in the, in the pan-African sense that I can see that it would be unified. But but once you you enter or interject the Abrahamic religions, they're claiming that they have the monopoly on truth. And then you got like a hundred divisions in each one of those particular traditions. And that's what causes uh, the division. So as long as there's Abrahamic religions within the, the, the black community here, I'm, my personal opinion is that there's always going to be division because their their traditions are divisive.
Anybody else want to respond? Um, I mean, I, I agree. You know, I'm about to I'm about to check out. Okay. Uh, but again, yeah, we're about to end soon anyway. It's been three hours. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, if I think I remember the question, you know, like how can we lost it? Say it again. Uh, and I just lost it, so I would have to kind of scroll back up. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, what, what, yeah, do, do, do the question again. The question was, was we more unified being in those cults? It was something yeah. like that. Well, like, were we more unified being in the cults? Yeah, yeah. in yeah. terms so, of a people. Cults. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, one, well, what we need to be, had to be clarified is, who is the weak? <laughs> that you know that we're talking about, and and what do you mean? And what does that person mean by cults? So, you know, and, and, I, and I don't mean that for the purpose brothers to actually, you know, go into that detail. But again, here, it, just like as I was saying, see, in this country, it this we're in a a Europeanized, European culture, superculture here, that is. You know, xenophobic, capitalistic, etc. Whereas when you go to African, different African cultures, you know, there's more of a, what might I say, superhighway of wisdom kind of thing. You know, even when you go to ancient Kemet and you go into the instructions of the Tahotep, it says, be not arrogant because of your knowledge, take counsel with the ignorant as well as with the wise for, uh, uh, for, no, no one has a monopoly on knowledge. Okay, and wisdom can be found amongst the maze at the grindstones. So that's telling you that you can learn from anyone. That there's no, you know, I have the knowledge and you can't get it from nowhere else kind of mentality. So again, so long as we have cultures or religions that promote my God is bigger and better than your God. If you don't like it, we can have a holy war. Then, what type of unification will you have? It'll just be superficial, and you know, and they're always looking for membership. And for for blacks, they'll say, "Well, we're all black." Well, because of your skin color, that means that you have to come to this religion with me. And it's like, well, just like with black Christians, I say, "Okay, well, you made Jesus black, but you didn't change the the ideology." You know. So that that that's that's a problem. So it's going to take more critical thinking and getting you know for us like the, the idea of pan Africanism is you can you know, you're unifying or with the shaken to joke with the idea of the cultural unity of Black Africa, both as a book title and as a uh, as a as a working concept. So, but. Matter of fact, I, I may I may do this as a uh, as a future show or as a future Devil's Advocate show. Is are the are the Abrahamic religions keeping us from realizing liberation or keeping African people from realizing liberation? Yes, that's going to be uh, <laughs> going to be a show. I'm going to see how that pops off. But um, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm end it here. And so I just want to say that I appreciate uh, all of you brothers for coming on and sharing your stories. 
uh, Brother Unk, Brother Sanjeti, and Brother Ujawu, even though he came a little later, uh, and our good brother uh, Chris Morgan uh, for joining the panel. And then, of course, I want to thank all of you who are listening live, and then, of course, all of you who are catching the archive, and those of you who are in the comment section, both in Facebook and on YouTube, for you know having uh, an engaging uh, and respectful conversation in the chat. Uh, as well as those who have supported the channel uh, financially and gave a donation. I appreciate you as well. And, you know, I just want to say uh, again to, you know, if you want to continue to support the channel and to support the upcoming documentary film, uh, Chiena Into, please uh, visit my Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash Asari Motep and learn more on how you can be a part of uh, the film um, in terms of its production and things of that nature. And more stuff will be added. I'm working on the website and all of that good stuff now. And uh, for those who are part of the Patreon, you will be uh, gifted tomorrow, not tomorrow, on Sunday with uh, the interview with Dr. Uh, Chilema Lema uh, Mukinge. And we'll be talking about Baluba culture, religion, and philosophy. He'll be one of the individuals who I will be uh, formally interviewing for the documentary film. Um, so you don't want to miss that. And before I close it out, you know, uh, each one of them has some very important uh, businesses and their own channels and things. So I want you to give a shout out to yourselves and let us know where we can uh, find you and what we can get from you when we find you. So starting off with Brother Sanjeti, we're going to um, end, uh, go to Brother Wujawu, and then we're going to end with uh, Brother Ankh. Okay, so the Sanjeti.com is coming soon. Look out for that. We have a book coming, book coming out this year. Look out for that. Um, you know, have some have a class coming up next month, another Meta Nature course. So you can find me currently more active on Facebook, Sanjeti Ankara. You know, if you're interested, you shoot me an inbox message and we can go from there. And yeah. All right. Ujawa. Yeah. Um, everyone can find me on on Facebook as Wujau. Uh many everybody my at also um i i'm also uh will be opening up a new uh class group for sesh metal nature class you can find uh that information out on sesh metal as well as say university uh dot com and i also um have public a publication that will be uh coming out this year so i will leave it at this year you know <laughs> um and leave it at that. So look forward to it. I'll start making announcements once I once I get to the point where you know it's gonna uh, be able to drop um, soon. Mm -hmm. um, I want to start with uh, support uh, Kofi Pasai research team. Mm -hmm. uh, he had about three books out and the children's book. Um, Sean brother Sean published the children's book. Support that. Uh, support Dr. Oyamayat's work. A Mel Trek series. Um, of course, I'm an author. I have a book, Chronology of Human Evolution. And um, probably beginning of next year, I'll come up with my second uh, publication. I'm almost finished that. I've been working on it for about 
maybe three years now. I'm almost I'm closing it out. Uh, support Abdiwear. All right, uh, got a lot of t-shirts, shoes, masks, overall gear, jackets, um, button downs, pull up shirts. Make sure you support that and just support the Amaral squad and brother Sanjetti, brother Wuja, brother Saw, man. I appreciate those brothers, man. Uh, uh, he see Ben, Massey Clan Warriors, uh, pseudo killers, man. Uh, we be going live tomorrow. Man, just support the families that's dedicated to teaching scientific literacy, man. And may we continue to prosper in the face of pseudoisms. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of Kofi Pasai, uh, I will be interviewed on their channel on YouTube on Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, so it's 4 p.m. Eastern. And we'll just be talking about basically all of my publications and the writing process and the research process and things of that nature. So y'all check that out. Uh, look for Kofi Pasai TV, uh, dot com, as well as, of course, the YouTube channel. And so with that said, you can find me uh, on all of those platforms. And of course, my website at asarmhotep.com. So I will see y'all again on this Sunday uh, on Kofi Pasa TV. And then, of course, for those who are on the Patreon, you'll, you'll see me with the interview with Dr. Uh, Mukinge. And we'll be getting it in on some deep uh, African spirituality and the like. So with that said, I appreciate y'all for joining. And good night to all of y'all. Peace.